Hey ghouls, happy hump day, and welcome to Ghoul Friends Podcast, brought to you by your best ghoul friends, Lucy and Lindsay. Grab your blankets, snacks, and good vibes for tonight's sleepover, where the category is always horrifically spooky. If you want to keep up with us on the socials, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GhoulFriendPod on Twitter and GhoulFriends underscore podcast on Instagram. You can also listen to us on all podcasting platforms where we release new episodes every Wednesday. And if you want to follow me on my personal socials, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Lulu underscore Pew. And I'm at Hi It's Lindsay underscore on all social media. Now let's get spooky. Hello, gorgeous, gorgeous girls, and welcome to another episode of Girlfriends, where apparently we're in a silly goofy mood tonight. As always, I'm joined by my best girl, Lucy. How are you doing? Good. I missed you. Did you miss me? I did. It was so weird, like, editing the episode and I'm not there. And it's just like you talking to somebody else. And I'm like, that should be me. You had FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, like I was saying before, like, Kat was fab. Um, you guys talking about horror video games but I'm not really a gamer so I feel like I would have contributed nothing so (laughs) I think it was a bit of divine intervention that I was sick last week because the universe knew that Lindsay you've got nothing to offer (laughs) for this episode just stay in your bed for the night (laughs) and we have a very special guest today um Drew has is joining us how are you doing I'm all right glad to be here and this week's theme is why are men? So you can say that Drew's a bit of a sacrificial lamb tonight. <laughs> I was the one who chose the theme. I know. <laughs> Nobody to blame but yourself. Setting himself up for torture. <laughs> um, but you had the, the whole thing out and I was like, right, well, I know I want to do Shaun of the Dead so I can fit it in, in this one. I could fit it in, in under this theme and stuff like that. And then it was just why are men? And I was just like, that'd be so funny to be on the episode. <laughs> um especially as you know lucy put out um a thing going like oh is there you know i'm looking for more guests uh, to come on especially like you know uh lgbtq people would be great to have on and i'm like i'm straight uh i'd love to come on as you know (laughs) great guy and give my opinions on your podcast about why are men shit (laughs) you can be the resident himbo of the podcast there you go yeah yeah i've always wanted to be a himbo and now I can. <laughs> um, so, Drew, do you want to tell our lovely listeners about your little corner of the internet? Um, I know you do some Twitch streaming. I'm sure people would love to hear about that. Um, so I am a variety streamer on Twitch um, under the name Sir Drewballs. I stream um, just a bunch of stuff, kind of whatever really gets gets me interested. Uh, I love games of all sorts. I, uh, I'm i the co-owner of Meeple Perk, the bo- uh, board games cafe in Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, so like I sometimes do board game stuff. I sometimes do role-playing game stuff. I've had Lucy on, uh, on my stream before to uh, play Mothership, which is a horror game. Shock horror. I get a horror expert in my horror game. Um, uh, I play games and I do it occasionally, mostly on a Tuesday evening. Yeah, like that's my corner of the internet. 
um nothing to do with horror other than that like one horror game um so well chosen special guest that was a very fun game though i have to say though i was laughing because i remember when we did that and you gave me a backstory for my character and i'd forgotten it during the streaming you're trying to be like lucy is there anything you want to say you have a bad story to refer to, Lucy. What? <laughs> Let's. Should we talk about some movies? Yes. Why don't we kick off our spooky sleepover? So, as we said, our theme is why are men? As Drew was even saying, we all need to have a rant about men. Sometimes you just see them do silly things on the internet just make silly decisions on a um, global political stage and you just have to roll your eyes and just go wire men so (laughs) i'm so glad you picked this Uh, and our films for this evening are Shaun of the dead and Zombieland Double Tap. Drew's putting his thumbs down for Zombieland Double Tap i thought it was so funny on twitter when you were like Oh, this movie, because I don't know if you would agree with this, Lucy, but it could be argued that Girlfriends was conceived of reviewing of Zombieland Double Tap. It was, <laughs> because it was the weekend we were together and we we're like, we should yes. start another podcast. Oh, memories. And we covered the original Zombieland in our first episode. Yes, so Zombieland, like, the franchise is very near and dear to girlfriends, very near and dear to me. So when you were like, I hate Zombieland 2, it was a big cutting. It was my first watch of it. It was my first watch of it. Uh, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. Uh, yes. Stop. So, um, yeah, we'll get into that a bit more later. But yes, Girlfriends was conceived over a viewing of Zombieland Double Tap. But let's get into our first film. ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh, have you ever felt that you're turning into a zombie? Maybe you're not alone. She said... Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. It is vital that you stay in your homes and avoid all physical contact with the assailants. So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl, Lizzie? Because I love her. All right, gay.
So the IMDb plot for Shaun of the Dead is as follows. The uneventful, aimless lives of a London electronic salesman and his layabout roommate are disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. This came out in 2004, stars Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Kate Ashfield, was directed by Edgar Wright, who's also directed the rest of the Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz and the World's End, and most recently put out Last Night in Soho. Uh, and it was also written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. So, Drew, what made you go for Shaun of the Dead for Why Are Men? Mostly, I wanted an excuse to talk about one of my favourite movies, which is which is Shaun of the Dead. Um, I love this movie. Um, and if I was going to come on a horror podcast, it's it's the movie I'd, I'd pick. Uh, I, I specifically, I'm wearing my Winchester Tavern T-shirt, which, you know, I did for the audio recording of the podcast. Um, but largely, I believe the, the, the reasoning that we managed to get in the Why Are Men category is because Shaun is, at the beginning of the movie... Um, really a terrible boyfriend to Liz. Uh, he he just always wants to go to the Winchester, or that's what he, you know we, we we get told is he always they always end up at the Winchester with his mate Ed, who is not a nice bloke uh, for the most part, played by like a really lovely guy from what I hear, Nick Frost, great actor. Um, and yeah, like I would say by the end of the movie, he he kind of is not a dickhead anymore. But yeah, like largely it's that whole beginning bit of the movie where he's um he's he's terrible to Liz. And that's just it's it's not acceptable. And um, Lucy, what are your kind of interactions with this film? Story time. There's an interesting story to this actually. <laughs> so I you know how you were like with, with Twilight, I'm not watching this, I'm not like other girls, kind of thing. I was like that one of the dead for a long time. Because one of my <laughs> it's true though, but one of my first boyfriends I had was really into the Cornetto trilogy. I don't know why I dated this man because he was horrific. But it it just gave me the ick. Like, you know how you get guys out there that are like, especially film students, who are like, bloody like Wolf of Wall Street is the greatest film of all time. And then it's just like, oh, instant book. That's why I felt like Shaun of the Dead. I hadn't watched it purposely because I was like, I don't want reminded of this man ever again. But then I watched it like in like when I was maybe like 18 or something, and I loved it. Like, I love this film. I put it off for so long. So it was just like, hmm, trauma. Don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, that's totally understandable. Um, when I went to watch this film on Saturday night, actually, um, I was at my sister's and I was like, do you want to watch like one of the best horror comedies of all time? She was like, what? And I sort of put this on and she was like, oh, it's all right. I was like, what? <laughs> Get in the bin. I like, couldn't believe she had such a like, blase uh, reaction to Shaun of the Dead because I just think this is one of the funniest films ever. That's a it red flag. so good. It's a red flag. <laughs> if it's not a 30 second TikTok, Rebecca Trice still not interested. <laughs> so at the top of the film, we're introduced to like London and it's given that typical zombie film commentary about how we're already very zombified in life. Um, and it hits these um, marks that Edgar Wright will been known for for throughout his career um, with everything like in tune with the music and stuff um I don't know if you guys have seen Baby Driver but I almost feel like yeah 
that's like a musical in yeah, some ways movie. with the way it like yeah. hits the beats with the music and you can see that very much in this film as well so he's having difficulties in his relationship with Liz like you were saying before Drew he just kind of goes to the pub works in his dead-end job plays games with Ed he's a bit of a thorn in the side of his um flatmate as well and just like things are not great for Sean at the start of this movie and he's not really like a great person either he also like like he does get on well with his mom but he has these difficulties with his stepdad as well he later breaks up with Liz and he gets drunk at the Winchester obviously but unbeknownst to Sean and Ed the zombie apocalypse has happened around them and these initial scenes where we see like one zombie prior to them going into the pub it looked like they were getting off and then the head falls off and then later on they're like singing a song and the zombies like joining in like what do we think of these first scenes of the zombie apocalypse happening and these two just being blissfully unaware they're definitely neurodivergent like Sean definitely has some form of ADHD, I'm convinced. I mean, he, like, he, he can barely remember anything. But you know what it reminds me of as well is Anna and the Apocalypse. I know that's a bit later, mm. but it's just the obliviousness to everything around you whilst there's zombies around. And it's just like British comedy at its finest. I love it. It's, a, there's, it's, it's the brilliant bit, though, that they just... Like, there's enough stuff to tell you, the audience, that, like, the zombies are coming, they're here, there's the signs of it all along, only for them to just miss the vital important bit of, like, them actually turning into a zombie, the head falling off with the, the you know, the couple getting on. Um, you know, if the zombie got a bit closer that, that they that during the sing-along bit, all of those bits. Um, but there is that brilliant bit where he's flicking through the TV... And it's like the TV is saying, like, essentially there is zombies going on, like people are coming back from the, uh, the dead and stuff like that. And it's just a, such a brilliant and well put together shot. It's like one of my favorite shots throughout any movie ever. Uh, a lot of actually of Shaun of the Dead is, is this, like lots of really good, deep uh, jokes and stuff like that. But it really sets the movie up well with like, you know, Dawn of the Dead, the remake of Dawn of the Dead at least. Um, the zombies just happen. It, it just happens and then it's there. Whereas in, you see the slow build up with this, which I really enjoy. I think that's just such a well, good way of doing movie. I can <laughs> I can speak. Yeah. When you're saying about all like the Dave the Dead references, like there's so many like all, the Living Dead uh, franchise references in this film. And it's even like really subtle things like when Sean's walking past the, like the street sweeper and they're talking about something um crashing through the atmosphere and like that's the exact same thing from Night of the Living Dead and it's just so clever um Sean Peck and Edgar Wright worked on this for years and years and years and you can just feel the love of the genre through it all they showed the movie to George Romero and obviously there is that very clear they uh, were coming to get you Barbara yeah. obviously taken from the original Dawn of the Dead and Obviously, Edgar Wright only wanted the approval of George Romero because obviously that's what you want. And obviously the whole film is meant to be like, this is Dawn of the Dead, but over in England. Like, as Dawn of the Dead is happening over in the US, this is what's happening over in the UK. 
obviously George Romero. It's, I think it's on the movie poster on the DVD or something like that. It's like, uh, like he says, like, it's a great movie or something. I can't remember the exact word. He's like, really enjoyed this movie. It's great. Edgar Wright insisted on that being on the poster. And then Edgar Wright got to speak to him. He's like, would you mind that we took, you know, we're coming to get you, Barbara. And George, uh, George Romero was just like, what? What do you mean? But he had no idea that they'd referenced him. Um, he just completely like just missed over it. And I love that. I know a lot about this movie. It's, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Oh, please chime in whenever you've got a fun fact. Me and Lucy love a little bit of trivia. I can do one more right now because you brought up the music and how good the music is. Uh, it's very impressive how well he does actually cut the movie around the music because he had to use the cheapest possible music that he could get a hold of because the, the movie studio cut the budget. And that's one of two ways that he like really cut back on the budget to be able to make this movie. They must have spent a pretty penny on the Queen song later on, though. I think well, that's apparently the... it wasn't like as big a song as it is now before they used it in the film. Oh. Yeah, like all of the music they used, they used the cheapest music that they could possibly find um, to save money. So when they get back home from their little drunken night out, um, Pete comes down the stairs, boring, in a attentive Pete. And he starts complaining about the loud music and he says that he got bit by a mugger. So again, it's like another like alarm bell really going off, being like, this zombie apocalypse is happening. But Ed and Sean are just blissfully unaware. We cut to morning and then we have a very like shot for shot scene of Sean going to the shop um, from the very beginning of the film. And we see that things are very, very different, but Sean's so hungover. He does not even notice. I mean, I've had hungover hangovers that hungovers. <laughs> you having one right now? <laughs> My grasp of the English language. Um, no, like, I've had a hangover like that. We just walking along, and the zombie apocalypse could be happening around me. I don't know. Listen, I've got problems. To be able to get My out of hurts. bed, to be able to get out of bed hungover is like an achievement in itself. Like to actually go outside and see the sun. Um, I'll be annoying and hit him with another fax. Do you know? So you know that that, that shot, the shots you mentioned, like the, the two shots of him going at the shop, they were the first things they shot for the movie. Apparently, there was a lot of people who were like, "Oh, Edgar Wright, he's only really done TV, hasn't really done movie," and the crew were all like having a go. So Edgar Wright's way of resolving this was like, "Right, I'm going to shoot the two most difficult shots for me to do." As the first thing we do on the first day of shooting, and after that. Never had any complaints from the crew about him being an inexperienced director. I was just like, this is just, that's the baller move there, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Like, obviously, I know it was his first movie and some people obviously will have things to say and I'm sure there's things he's, like, improved on since this film, but I just can't imagine talking about Edgar Wright as, like, a bad director with all the amazing work that he's done since Shaun of the Dead. Like, I can't imagine anyone ever being like, oh, Edgar Wright. I don't think he can do any wrong. I mean, he probably could if he if he wanted to, but he's he's movie making ability is just top tier. So, the morning after the night before, there is a, like a strange woman in Sean and Ed's back garden, and again, these two ignorance is bliss. Just think it's some like drunk lassie in their back garden, 
and start doing the most absurd things like taking a picture with her you know these guys are just like not on the same level as everybody else I don't feel like um this is definitely like for me one of the funniest moments of the film like when he's grabbing her face and like (laughs) over the camera it's just so ridiculous and when they push her onto an exposed pole in the garden and she gets back up that's when they finally realize hey maybe something's not right here it's that moment where it's it's just after that they go back inside and they're like watching the TV and they sat down. I'm like, that is just, and it, you know, it does, um, he says, he turns to, to Ed and says, it's like, they still out there and he just opens the blinds and they're like at the window. <laughs> that's such a good, good bit of the movie. And it's also like, that's what I'd do. I just go, like, I'm going to go back inside. Hopefully this will all blow over. Exactly. Um, and then when they open the curtains and see that there's another one, another like absolutely hilarious scene where they're picking and choosing which records to throw at the zombies i love that it's just so funny sean's <laughs> poor poor for sean's records though i know oh um he sean and ed beat these two zombies to death over the head with a shovel and with like full knowledge now of like what's going on they try and with a plan to save their loved ones, namely Sean's mum and his now ex-girlfriend, Liz. Another scene that I love when they play through the different scenarios that they're going to do and they go faster and faster and faster every single time because it's just like, we just need to get this plan out of the way and decide what exactly what we're going to do. And they eventually settle on going to the Winchester. What do we think of their plan to go go to the Winchester. I feel like the first time I watched this, I was like, oh yeah, the Winchester, great. And now I'm just kind of like- You can, mm, you, like there is, you can see there is a logic to it. Like, you know, it's it's a big, heavily barricaded building. It's it's easy to secure and stuff like that. It's what a place they know they've got food and drink, but it's not no. a good plan, is it? What do you think, Lucy? No, like go to like a high rise building, go onto high rooftops is what I'm thinking, somewhere where they can't climb. Like, I don't know if it's because we've watched too many zombie movies now and like i mean we've we've watched quite a few for the podcast so we're kind of yeah. zombie i'm claiming we're zombie experts at this point um so i'm just like no that's enola we actually get enola back. we need Nola's to get enola back expert. this is very true i'm sure they'd have a lot of opinions about them going to the winchester but i get it but i'm just like you're a bunch of dafties like go somewhere tall obstacles something well this leads to um, uh, a joke that comes up not far off from this point. I know we're trying to go through this in order and 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 get through the film, but there's the bit when then they're like they they go get everyone. I'm gonna I'm cut ahead a little bit quickly, but it's relevant for this bit. Trust me. There's the bit where they skip ahead and they meet. Um, uh, it's when they meet the other group, and it's all of the all of the the you know it's the, the the replicants of their group and stuff like that, and they will say hi and that that brilliant joke. But it's they're going to the military base. And they're in there for the, the the express purposes of whilst they're having their zombie adventure, what's funnier is having another group having another adventure, which is going way better than the one that we're actually seeing. Yeah, which exactly. obviously, like later, we then see that their plan went way better because they all survive because they all pop back up at the end of the movie, which I really like. And I think that's such, such a good way of doing it. Like, yeah, like let's see that the, the 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 people who don't have a great plan. Uh, but knowing that there is like a group that has a way better plan <laughs> that we don't get to see. So they steal Pete's car 
and go and pick up Sean's mum and his stepdad Philip who on on arrival I think they find out that he has been bitten so obviously it's kind of in the back of Sean's mind like we're gonna need to take care of him but as they've not actually seen someone be bitten be turned yet I think there's maybe like a little glimmer of hope there that maybe they won't have to but he's fine he had his jams when he went to the R1 <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> so he says to me <laughs> um, we find out that they're, Sean and Philip have a bit of a fraught relationship so that's why Sean's like not really arsed about Philip all that much to be honest and he's really just more concerned about getting his mum out of there Barbara sweetest woman ever she just wants everyone to have a cup of tea and be happy she's so fucking cute um I saw when I was like researching for this that they wanted her to be played by Helen Mirren and Helen Mirren's like great actor but this woman is just so perfect as Barbara, I think, anyway. She's just a ray of sunshine. I can't sunshine. imagine this movie. I can't imagine this movie with, uh, with, with Helen Mirren in instead, no. though. No, it would be weird. So they pick up Phil and Barbara, and then they use Phil's jag to go and get Liz. But Liz says she won't leave without her flatmates, David and Diane. What do we think of David and Diane? I know we've met them slightly earlier in this film, but I like Diane. I'm not so keen on David. He very much, I feel like, holds the group back quite a lot. He is the epitome of why are men. I hate this man with every fibre of my being because there are those men that you meet as well that are like just, they're they try and be friends with you, but then they have this like secret thing where they actually are in love with you or they fancy you and it's like ulterior motive. And he's just such a dick to Sean. And it's just like, I'm jumping ahead, but when he gets munched, I don't feel sorry for him at all. <laughs> yeah, like I, I 100% agree with all this. He actually ends up being like the biggest dick in the movie, which is a shame because he's played by Dylan Moran and he's great. The, the fact that he just spends most of the movie just belittling Sean, and when he is given the opportunity to lead the team, he only ends up with failure the entire time. It's just, why? Why are you so annoying? <laughs> Based on Lizzie's stipulation, David and Diane tag along for their um, trip to the Winchester in amidst the zombie apocalypse. Um, so while they're trying to get to the Winchester via car, Philip reconciles with Sean in a really sweet scene. And I think the thing about this film that a lot of people just kind of regard it as a parody, but there's actually really poignant moments in it, like this stepdad and son reconciling before his death. And it's really sweet, you know, Philip recognising that he's been really hard on Sean, but saying that, you know, I always loved you. And it's a, it's a really sweet moment. Um, what do you guys think about people kind of regarding Sean of the Dead as a parody rather than an actual zombie com- comedy, horror comedy? They're so wrong. It is one, like Sean of the Dead is one of the smartest zombie movies and it's because it has these moments and that's what, I mean, to be fair, it's why the comedy like really works um, and why you get these brilliant moments of laughter. Sean losing his parents or like Sean losing his stepdad and then unfortunately his mum. I nearly cried when I, during the rewatch of that bit. That bit, like, it's it's not only is it is it is really emotional. He he is sort of saying like, you know, like you don't you didn't need a dad. You needed someone, you know, to come in and and to look after you and make sure you're right. And you you know maybe I was a bit hard on you. It is 
all led in in the movie like you see it the entire time of the movie that sean like kind of hates him but for no real reason that very typical like you know he replaced my dad trauma that he has um he then like this brilliant moment where it's it's not just bought in by surprise it's not just bought into just to have this heartfelt moment and like it's one of the reasons why this movie one of many reasons why this movie is is one of the smartest zombie movies and i'll fight anyone who says otherwise <laughs> what do you think lucy no i'm in complete agreement i mean you know that like horror comedy is probably one of my favorite subgenres, and i feel like people shit on it so much but so many horror comedies do have a message behind it and i feel like sean of dead has so much heart behind it i mean there's clearly a passion there and a love from the cast and the crew but this plot line as well like it's really heartbreaking and i don't you know no matter how many times you've watched it, i think it gets you right in the heart i mean i was watching this at six in the morning today like an unhinged maniac and i was getting teary-eyed half asleep something i really like with sean as well because we i know this episode is why are men but like we don't see a lot in media even horror especially these heartfelt moments with men especially like a father and a son or you know later on when sean really is properly grieving the loss of his mum, which anyone would don't really see that we hardly ever see men show emotion especially in horror because if it is emotion it's usually anger or fear or sexualizing women so to see this like character arc that he goes on it's really refreshing and especially for 2004 as well so the group abandoned their car and decide to go through like the neighborhood via people's gardens to try and get to the Winchester. This leads to a scene that is featured throughout the Cornell trilogy of Simon Pig jumping fences, although in this film he does not jump it and instead falls clean right through it, which is hilarious. They then also make the other group in this bit, that bit I mentioned previously, um, which just to get, just to touch on that one for a second, um, the whole, they did actually want a, a bunch of other actors for this. And this is one of the reasons why that scene is in there with the whole, like the, 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 the ongoing joke that they are the people who have the better plan. And it's, you know, a bunch of the people who are in space uh, as a lot of really good British uh, actors in there. And when I watched it again, this is every time I watch that bit, I go like, oh, I always forget Martin Freeman shows up in that bit. It's just for like a cutaway gag. Yeah, so it's like um, two people from Space, uh, Martin Freeman and Lucy Foster from The Office, Dylan Moran and Tamsin Gregg from Black Books. From Black Books, but I mean, I mean, Dylan Moran is part of the main group that we follow. He's yeah. the dickhead. So yeah, it's super clever because they all like match kind of as well. So it's that brilliant just visual comedy gag that you just get. Like I love that you just see this like, you know, just make up this other group. And they are the, the same group, effectively. And I love that, like, that crossover there. Um, and just going like, oh, my God, I forget that such and such pops up for this one joke. They're way too famous for this bit now. So in another one of my favourite scenes in this, so after Sean manages to impale um, this zombie who is somebody that Barbara used to know onto a tree, um, Diane gives an acting class on how to act like a zombie because they find that they're not going to be able to get past to get to the Winchester any other way really and the way she goes on I just think it's hilarious what do you guys think still piss myself laughing every time I watch this it's comedy gold vacant with a hint of sadness (laughs) (laughs) 
um, I, mean, I love, I love, I love that bit. It is, it, yeah, like it makes gets me every single time. That whole bit, I just love that bit, and I love the fact that they are referring to them as zombies as well. Uh, and they do the whole like, you know, it's not like uh, Walking Dead where they cover themselves in the goop or anything like that to to hide and uh, or or you know they they try any clever things. It's just they're all kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I love at the start, towards the start of the film, when Ed just outright calls him zombies, and Sean's like, like he said, like a really bad word or something. Whereas I feel like a lot of other zombie media are like, oh, the zombies don't exist in this world as like folklore or whatever. So they wouldn't even know that what a zombie even is. So that's why they have these ridiculous names for them, like walkers. So yeah, I like that they actually just call it what it is. And I wonder as well if that's a little bit of a not like a dig but um was it a couple of years before this uh 28 days later came out and dana boyle's very much like this is not a zombie movie it's like well what is it then daniel because it looks like a zombie movie to me tell the class i was double checking earlier because i was thinking there's quite a few shots in shawn of the dead that remind me of 28 days later but 28 days later came out before Shaun of the Dead it was yeah. 2000 and it was 2002 I think actually I didn't realize it was that long ago I thought it was more recent than that yeah I always think I was like I'm like oh yeah Shaun of the Dead came out in 2010 no it didn't <laughs> it came out in 2004 I would have thought they went the other way around I thought Shaun of the Dead was first ah that blew my mind and also did I I was like Danny Boyle stealing stuff from Shaun of the Dead I was like oh actually <laughs> after their impromptu acting lesson they get to the front door of the Winchester and they're having difficulty trying to get in and Ed just breaks character to take a phone call <laughs> who, is it? who are you on the phone to sir like, but the uh, apocalypse uh, is happening we, we know who he's on the phone to thank you very much um no I, I, okay um I love this it shows Ed's thing to his cat he only cares for himself um and he just can't not take that phone call and, yeah. and do his drug dealing thing uh to self to the guy who works at the store with sean from earlier the money saving scene we are now at point number two of the money saving uh facts um all of these zombies are that are in this bit they were paid one pound to be in this movie wow <laughs> that is how they they got around it they realized that obviously the uh big expenditure is getting all of these people to be zombies so they basically went to uh, a space fan forum and was just like do you want to get paid a pound and be in a movie and you would have thought that like Edgar Wright would go easy on these zombies to to like uh you know all these people have come out and he spent a pound on each of them uh no he kept them there as long as possible he made them do several things that they you know what they want to do there's the bit where um uh, when they're in the Winchester and the zombie comes and knocks on the door and does the moan and stuff like that. Uh, no, that's actually a real person outside doing that in full zombie makeup and, and everything to get the realism and stuff. But yeah, that's the that's the uh, second money saving tip If in a movie. Uh, be, be Have fans and pay them a pound and they'll come and be zombies. Do you know what if like, people were like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever or... Because I feel like if it was a director that I loved or like someone from a TV show I loved, I'd be like, oh yeah, do you know what? This is amazing. I, I don't know, but if that was me, I'd just be, I'd be happy to do it yeah. just so that when I'm watching a movie, I could be like, I'm the third zombie on the left. <laughs> because There's me. That's me. <laughs> I'm in that. Um. So another one of our useless men, David, um, 
in a moment of frustration throws a bin through the window as, and is like look we can get in now many of the group very frustrated because it's also a way for the zombies to get in and Sean decides to lead the zombies away so that the rest of the group can get back get into the Winchester like very much we see throughout this film like Sean's own uh redemption arc kind of from being this like massive slacker at the start and now he's like literally risking his life to make sure that his well really his mom and his girlfriend can get into the Winchester ex-girlfriend ex-girlfriend fun fun bonus thing Thing, uh okay. from the from the Sean and the Dead DVD. There they did a little animated comic to explain uh Sean's trip away from the uh the, the zombies, which is he just he runs around the corner, uh makes the keeps just running ahead of them a little bit, and then he just snips around the corner and hides somewhere until they all go past and then heads back <laughs> to the Winchester. I didn't know about that. I know the one about Di- uh, Diane and how she actually doesn't die. But um, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, they do that. They that that is on the DVD as well. Um, oh. Again, I I love this movie so much. Like we, I, when we get into the like, why is Sean terrible uh, at the beginning of the movie? When we, we we I will deep dive into my my theory. So they are in the Winchester. Sean eventually comes back um, through the back door. I think um, there's a lot of tension between everybody. Still, there's a lot of fighting. You know, David's blaming it on Sean as per usual. If you weren't fighting with your boyfriend, we love about casual homophobia. Barbara reveals to Liz that she was actually bitten by the zombie that um, Diane used for her impromptu acting lesson. And this is another like really poignant moment. Um, I like Simon Pegg acts this really well because, like you were saying before, like this is a really emotional scene. I get to you watching it as well, and you're like, "This is a, this is a comedy. Why are I, we crying?" I like this watch is the first time that I really notice. If you watch from that bit where like she's in the garden, you see her like covering up. She's constantly from that point on, and she's scratching it and stuff like that. And like all through that, when I was watching it this time around, I was like, "No," because we know what's gonna happen. Like you know, it's and it's so again, it's one of these brilliant bits where like nothing, like everything is foretold in this movie. In a lot of ways, we we can we we can I can we can do all of the Chekhov gun moments shortly. But yeah, like that is just a brilliant bit where it's just her like holding her hand and really like that's it. That entire scene, how how they act out, and it's just you feel for Sean in this moment that you're just like, and then David. Again, just I want to punch him. He's so insensitive in this moment. I think he thinks he's like doing the right thing, being like, oh, she's gonna turn into a zombie, and not really giving like anyone in the room a moment to breathe because it's somebody's mother has just died. It's really like selfish, actually. He's like more concerned about his own safety. Uh, or like trying to impress Liz perhaps as well, being like, I'm going to take control of the situation. Um, what do you think, Lucy? It's just giving incel vibes the entire time. Like, he's just a grade A bastard. But this scene really is so heartbreaking. And like, I think it's actually, I don't know what it says about me, but it's probably my favourite scene from the film. I like the saddest one. I just think the acting in this is impeccable. And then when she sees the flowers as well, and like... it's so cute and so sweet and just Simon Pegg like I mean this is top-notch acting like you can see the pain in his eyes but yeah like the foreshadowing as well 
Like you don't notice that till you rewatch it. And I love a bit of foreshadowing. So after David's like basically around um killing Barbara, Sean takes care of her as he should. He has this massive argument, like breaks out, like everybody's holding balls and stuff against someone's neck. Um I think it's Ed throws in David's face that he's in love with Liz and Diane reveals that she's fully aware of this but she loved him so much she was quite happy to deal with it which is really sad because Diane is so sweet and she deserves someone who actually loves her and not somebody's kind of just using her to get close to her best friend Um, David's standing a bit too close to a window and he's kind of pulled through by zombies and he's given probably the best death in the film with the way all the zombies just like reach into his stomach and pull out all his guts what do you think Lucy? It's so gory I think like it's just like I almost wince at it and I like gore but it's the pulling apart of the stomach and everything it's just like I don't know it gives you like an inner cringe or something like that I love it but um I think people forget how gory this this film is. Like it is pretty gory, and considering it's low budget as well. Like I think it's aged quite well. To be fair, like it's not like atrocious or anything like that. I think a lot of it is probably practical effects, which does help. But it was satisfying to see a gory death for an absolute evil man, well deserved. I mean, it comes at the right moment, and it's a, the right level of gore where you're just like, you no, know, in that moment where he's like wanting to shoot. Sean's mom, you're like, oh, I just gotta, I wanna punch him. Like, he's just, I get it. I get you're trying to, you're trying to protect the group in your own way. When you're trying to be the alpha man here and show that you can, you can do the thing and lead the group, but you're a dick. We don't like you. And then you go get ripped apart by zombies, which is way better than anything that we could do if we were actually there. Uh, you know, as much as we'd love to punch him, uh, getting ripped apart by zombies, way worse. Um, I feel I haven't had, I haven't been ripped apart by zombies, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, um, it's such a satisfying conclusion to his character. Diane, because she's like, these zombies have just taken my man. I'm not really sure what she's thinking in this moment, or if she's just like, the person I love's just been ripped apart by zombies. I'm going in there, and she <laughs> takes one of David's legs and just goes into the zombie horde and starts just like battering them with it. And as we kind of mentioned before, there's like a little web comic thing that tells you that Diane actually survives this. She climbs up into a tree and like sleeps all night or something. Does yeah, it something like that. Like I honestly had forgotten about that until you mentioned it. And I'm like, yeah, like she does survive like in, in the canon of the, the wider Shaun of the Dead world. Uh, I think it's, yeah, she goes out and she batters a bunch of zombies and then she climbs up a tree and then, and it's when all of the, the, the army men comes and she comes down or something. I can't remember. I can't remember. Diane is the real badass of Shaun of the Dead to like survive that horde with a leg of the person that you were in love with. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty badass. But Diane deserved better. Hope she's happy somewhere. Deserves better than that arsehole. We have one of the most iconic scenes in the film as well, in which Liz, Ed, and Sean beats the zombified like landlord of this bar with pool cues. Um, absolutely amazing scene and like we were saying before like definitely shows you what's to come for Edgar Wright for the rest of his filmmaking because I feel like this is like peak Edgar Wright direction 
and we were saying before like this song wasn't really like a massive queen song before this film and this film kind of like helped with its popularity the guy who plays the pub landlord as well is actually a former slash current stunt person so he was like absolutely wail on me like go hard or go home because like he's trained in that so and I think that help adds to I did not know that the scene or something you didn't know about your favorite film. One of my favorite films. <laughs> um, Lucy, what do you think of this iconic scene? It's probably my second favorite, next to you know crying in the corner after the mom's death. This is just it's beautifully choreographed. Like it's just like it's you can tell they're enjoying it and giving their all. And how satisfying would that be? You know, you've had a tough day, you've had a tough week, long hours on set, and somebody says, just absolutely destroy me. Just like whack me as hard as you can. I really like this scene. And you know, it's it's nice to have that bit of comic relief as well after having such a sad, heavy moment. Yeah, it's just it's just so iconic. I want to know how much they spent on that song. Like I know it wasn't as expensive then, but I'm just curious because like it's it's so iconic now. I'm sure Edgar Wright sent like a begging letter basically to Brian <laughs> Mate being like, please let us use this song. Please. And luckily he agreed. Um I can't remember if they sent him like a mock-up of the scene or something or if they were just like this is what we want to do please let us do it I mean if they sent a mock-up that's dedication like um absolutely I don't know why it reminds me of um well you would have heard it because you edited it but last week's episode for I think was it Resident Evil and or was it Silent Hill I can't remember which one but they'd sent like a mock a mock-up of what they wanted to do for the film I think it was Resident Evil the director was so passionate about getting it and it was like I'm such a fan of the games and like had like a low budget version of what the film would be and I was like it's nice to see passion like that so um we eventually learn as well that the zombies that Sean thought that he lured away have come back they're at the back door you know the zombified version of the landlord and his wife are there like the wife gets shut in a cupboard i I just looked it up because i got curious as well apparently fifteen thousand pounds is how much it costs for don't stop me in shawn of dead yeah it's cheap as flips they i've i've just i've literally i've just looked it up because i was like i am curious as well (laughs) um apparently they, they were thinking about maybe a Led Zeppelin song, but they realised that Ze- Led Zeppelin would have cost uh, would have charged them about 250k. So they asked, uh, they they went to Queen about it, um, and it was 15k, um, and that was the song that they really wanted. They wanted "Don't Stop Me Now," and apparently he did have a backup track in in mind for in case he couldn't get it. And um, so yeah, like we said, there's zombies around the front, zombies around the back, zombies absolutely everywhere, and uh, they start to come into the pub. One of our first zombies that we see is the zombified Pete, Pete the flatmate, and he takes a right good old chunk out of Ed. Can I can I just get in to say we get a lot of really good Chekhov gun moments. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, you know like we you don't have a moment in this film. Uh, yeah, Edgar Wright loves his Chekhov gun stuff of like, you know, uh, if you set something up, you use it. Um, so like you have, uh, you know, the Winchester and the whole argument about the gun and dogs can't look up that amazing bit, obviously like a nice and easy one to get into um, where I really love that joke because the part of the joke is, is that 
you know, he's he's arguing that saying that they're all conspiracy theorists and stuff like that. And the gun is definitely not real. Sean says that the, the gun is definitely not a real gun and stuff like that. And obviously Ed is proven right. And he says, but dogs can look up. Uh, dogs can't look up, just to, just to point that one out. Like, they are right on that one. Dogs cannot, look. in fact, look up. They can give the appearance of looking up. Um, but other than that, uh, we also get the bit where, uh, obviously, as you as you mentioned, Pete comes in, uh, the flatmate. Um, obviously, Sean earlier in the movie says, you know, we're going to the pub to him when he's in the zombie. So we get that brilliant moment. Lots of, lots of little, like, things that play off, off of that scene that I really love. Like, all of the Chekhov gun stuff in this movie is amazing. Oh, including, actually, sorry, just going to get my favourite one out of the way, the very famous Ed speech uh, at the beginning of the movie when he's he's giving uh, the Sean the advice um, and how that goes up. We I'm sure we all here know this bit. Yes, that I'm on about, and how this plays in. So it's the, uh, do you know what we should do? To uh, we should do tomorrow. Keep drinking. Uh, Bloody Mary's first thing. Uh, that female zombie that in the garden. She's called Mary. Yes. Um, a bite of the king's head. Phil dies. Um, a couple of the little princess. A couple of the little princesses. Uh, they obviously go and get um the the Liz and friends. Uh, and then we stagger back here and bang back at the bar for shots. And of course, they use the gun that actually does work to shoot some of the zombies. They have shots at the bar. <laughs> and then later on as well, um, when the bar is on fire and the the bullets are still there, they just start going off as well. Um, uh, uh, there's, there's one bit that is, the, that is slightly behind the scenes uh checkoff gun bit as well for for this bit obviously as you just mentioned that the bar sets on fire and the bar burns down later in the movie liz says that we could go to the phoenix um yes the phoenix is the rebuilt winchester oh is it yeah. also right, like ah, re- oh, like rebirth and stuff oh i like that so um after taking out pete with the shotgun sean liz and ed descend into the cellar and realizing they only have two bullets left sean and liz start contemplating suicide and ed is like i'm just gonna stay here and get taken out by the zombies sorry can i come in one more time just to be really annoying i just remembered the other one other Chekhov's gun moment from this bit that i completely forgot about which is one i noticed this time around you know when they're doing a bit where they're, they're shooting the, the the rifle off the winchester the shotgun whatever they're, they're shooting the gun off and they're giving the instructions don't know if you've noticed this i didn't notice it until this time around of watching it so i'm so glad because there's here's another useless uh Chekhov's gun moment that you can point out to all your friends um the uh, in the beginning of the movie where they're playing games and I think is, is it Ed giving instructions to Sean or Sean's giving instructions to Ed on what to do in the game oh no it's Ed to Sean they are the same instructions that they give when they're doing this, the bar bit to the left reload all the, it's exactly the same oh I never noticed that that's well no that's the one I didn't yeah there's so many Chekhov gun moments in this in this movie um that he that they set up that I I love so this scene in the cellar for me is like another emotional one because I think I'm really taken back to like my first watch all over again and just kind of being like oh no that's it they're done for even though I've seen it like 10 times and I know they're gonna get out but it's like it's really heartbreaking thinking about everything they've been through in this you know what is this like a 90 100 minute film and we're almost finished you're just like oh my god they've been through so much together and they're gonna die like it seems really really hopeless um what do, what do you guys think about this scene in the cellar it's really it's just very sweet and lovely and you know 
I love Ed. I know we've not talked too much about the characters, and I know we will later, but I absolutely love him. And like, it's so bittersweet and sad because you don't want him being left. But obviously, we see the bit later on as well. But at this point, the audience doesn't know what's going to happen. At, you know, later on near the end of the film, Liz as well, and like they're they're sharing the cigarettes and stuff like that, and it's just like your your heart just breaks for them. It's the um, you know, the bit where they find out about that they've only got two bullets, and then um. They're, they're contemplating shooting themselves and then he's like you know shoot my mom shoot my girlfriend in the same day I, I don't think i could oh and shoot myself don't think i could do that and then ed has that whole bit of like actually i'd like to be shot Gag <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up every time and obviously poor ed like yeah like this is this i think this is the first bit in the, mo- the movie where you're actually meant to like ed prop like properly as a person you're actually meant to like him i think in this moment and it works so well and you just like you know he means everything to sean i mean notes here it says sean discovers the keg lift but i actually think it's ed that points it out i think he does point it out to them yeah and it's like you you guys go i'm staying like i i can't go you you have a better chance without me sean and liz use the keg lift to get back out onto the street and they're armed with some axes and um, other like blunt objects and the British army arrive and they run over a whole load of the zombie horde and they take out the others with their guns. Yvonne comes out and is there to like help Sean and Liz and you know they tell him that tell her rather that it's just them that has survived from their group I did not know I'm gonna have to watch this again I didn't realize you see the rest of Yvonne's group in that scene um, I do I'm believe have... I do believe you see them all in that scene I, I, I'll be horrible if you watch I mean I won't feel horrible if you watch the whole movie <laughs> but I watch this great movie again that we're all talking about how much we love yeah. but we then get to uh probably the best checkoff gun moment of of the movie which is that bit where he says it's just the two of us way back at the beginning of the movie when Sean is big I could save this for the 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 my 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 long rant theory but no I'll do it now um so we've been talking about checkoff some of the checkoff gun stuff but yeah uh so right way back at the beginning of the movie he says like when he's talking about Liz like give me one more chance when it's just the two of us everything will change and he comes out and they say like is it just you two? Yes, it's just us two. It is just the two of them, and everything changes. Oh yeah, a nice little nod there. I'm learning so much about Shaun of the Dead today. It's it's great. Like just getting trivia after trivia. Oh, we've we've not even we are not even getting into in into like the levels of Shaun of the Dead that I know. <laughs> I know. I'm like sitting here, but I feel dumb. Like I thought I watched this movie and. What was going on? But I have not been paying attention. Clearly, <laughs> just, just you wait. I, I promise you, it's coming. <laughs> Our last little ending epilogue coda of the film. It's six months later, and like the world has gone back to normal, like relatively. But the remaining zombies from Z Day, <laughs> they're kind of using them from for entertainment purposes. We see that there's a whole bunch of reality tv programs that have been like reality competition programs that have been made around zombies we see one woman who's um still keeps her zombified husband around on trisha it's the second time you see her she's on trisha earlier in 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 the movie as well oh is it the same person it's the same woman it's the same woman yeah uh, same boyfriend as well oh my god that's amazing um and we see that sean and liz have moved in together into the the flat, the house that he 
previously shared with Ed and Pete. So they're talking about like what they're going to do later. And Sean is like, oh, can I go out to the shed? And we find that he has kept zombified Ed tethered in the shed so they can continue to play video games together. So it's kind of like nice for him that he gets to keep like his best friend relationship, but obviously it's a bit more distant now. And obviously his relationship with Liz has worked out. And two more Chekhov gun moments hitting in this bit. There is the um, where he says uh, earlier in the film, Ed says two seconds. Sean then says two seconds and they go play games. Uh, obviously, he goes out to the garden, plays games in the shed. And then Pete says in the in the argument, he says you're a, um, when he's yelling at Sean and, and Ed for playing when they're playing music really late, uh, loud at night. He says, um, why don't you go live in the fucking shed? Yeah, I got that one. That one is really funny. And I have to say as well, like, Lucy and I both love, like, makeup and special effects. Zombified Ed looks fucking incredible. Like, he looks so, like, gory and disgusted, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah, like, no. it's aged so well. And just, like, mm. I wish I remember how I felt when I first watched this, because getting to see Ed at the end and they're happy together again and playing games, it's just, oh, it's so sweet. And it just makes your heart burst with joy. Right. Should should we? Like, that? that is the movie. Yeah. We all love this movie. Yes. Sean's a dick at the beginning of the movie. Do, should we get into this a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've been thinking about it and it's like, Sean's basically similar-ish to me at the start of his film. He's 29 and 30 and he's just like really, it's just like not even trying to do anything. Like he takes Liz for granted so much and it's really horrible to see. And when she talks through that scene when it's like, you promised you'd quit smoking, you promised you'd go to the gym, you said we'd go on holiday, and he's like, we went to Greece. <laughs> She's like, we, we met, met in Greece! Greece. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't do any of the things that she asks of him, and it's it's surprising that she stuck around for so long, to be honest. Before, because I, I, I really want to get into my thing, but before I do, Lucy, do you want anything to, to add in? Yeah, because like, you know, I feel like as somebody that's in their late 20s and is definitely not okay about that, there is a lot of pressure in your late 20s and early 30s. And especially right now, grind culture, you have to be successful. You have to have X, Y, and Z by this age and everything needs to be planned out, which is a heap of bullshit. I've been unlearning that a lot over the past couple of years as well. And, you know, like life looks different for everyone. And Sean doesn't have to have this big grand life plan or anything like that. But it's just the fact that he doesn't make an effort with Liz. That's the thing that really kind of pisses me off. It's just like, she's clearly really into him and is really making an effort. And he's just like, you know, he's not making her a priority. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see. Um because she deserves better than that. Now we're going to get like, I, 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 because, you know, I feel like I'm taking over the podcast. It's my podcast. Now, <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, Sean, Sean, Sean Riley, you know, the main actor, get the, the main character of the movie. Um, yes, his name is Sean Riley. You can find us during the course of the movie if you are a, a, a good viewer. Yeah, like at the beginning of the movie, we see him. He is, you know, in, in the very typical zombie thing, like Dawn of the Dead. Obviously, there was a whole thing on consumerism and, and, and how like we just go about daily lives, do all this, hence why they end all the zombies end up going to the mall but we all know that one we don't need to get into that but in Sean are dead we see the beginning of the movie Sean is down on his luck he has a terrible job that he clearly hates he's one of the oldest people who work there because all the people of his age has gone off to do better things or other things at least um 
and you know he clearly hates the job um he he's got this stepdad that he doesn't like and then like he's he's down on his luck with his girlfriend because his girlfriend wants him to try and do more stuff but largely it's because his career didn't kick off his career as a dj uh sean uh uh dj uh sean uh riley smiley there are posters in the background of his uh, of his flat where we see uh in it's in the dj bit where uh pete comes in and yells at him uh there are posters that say dj sean riley smiley i've not made any of this up this is all in the movie uh so his career doesn't kick off oh also he wears a t-shirt that says like world's best dj competition or something like that which is in greece which is where he meets liz <laughs> and yeah he he obviously his his dj career doesn't kick off he maybe he doesn't try that hard i'm going on that he doesn't really try it so obviously he he then like says like oh you know well we'll try i'll do better I'll, I'll book the place that you know restaurant the place that does all the fish which again brilliant fucking joke of the movie where he in, looks in the in the phone book and it says the place that does all the fish my only annoyance is that it's not called the place as in the fish place that does all the fish and it's called something else but whatever and yeah like he he, he tries to do that and it, obviously he, he he fails and yet again through the course of his his daily life getting at him getting him down he, he fails to book the restaurant and and liz rightfully breaks up with him um which he acts out very well like that scene where ed is then trying to cheer him up is and and then we have that brilliant Chekhov's gun moment with um ed explaining what's going to happen the rest of the movie in that moment like sean is down on his luck he's he's lost his girlfriend he's lost everything and then he's his housemate pete comes in and yells at him we see obviously again this is where you see the poster with sean rice behind him no no i've not made any of this up pete says to him, like you know essentially does that line of sort your fucking life out and we see he then like sort of sits down he writes on a whiteboard like sort life out uh is the thing that he does um, he then goes to the convenience shop. Uh, in the first scene, we see him get out a Diet Coke and then he puts it back and put, gets out a Coke. This time around, though, he's he's trying to improve himself. So he gets a Coke out and then he puts it back and then gets a Diet Coke out. Um, obviously trying to sort of start looking after himself, you know, for Liz. You know, he then, at that moment, that's when we see Sean really caring and really trying. His whole zombie, a zombie Z-Day experience is him coming out and we realize that he's actually is then improving his life he's getting it all back together he's he's taking charge he's improving his life yada 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 um yeah like uh we then get through the rest of the movie all of the rest of the movie happens as normal um and then in that scene where he we come back and we see sean and stuff um there's a bunch of stuff that you can see in that scene uh there is uh, obviously there's a lot of stuff from liz's apartment in sean's apartment now because she has properly moved in um there is then uh, little pictures for all of the people who died throughout the course of the movie. When it's just the two of them, everything changes. Um, and, and Sean is, you know, a better person for Liz at this moment. And we see that he, he clearly is trying now at his job. And clearly because he has another poster up in that bit for DJ Sean Riley Smiley's return. He's got his life together. He is trying to actually improve himself. This is the, the brilliant bit of that movie where we actually see that he, through his, whilst a lot of the world died and uh, that through the zombie apocalypse, Sean comes to life and he takes charge of his life and he sorts his fucking life out like Pete told him to in that bit of the movie. And that is my deep cut theory. <laughs> Mic drop. Can I just say, DJ Riley Smiley, Sean Riley Smiley, that sounds like something from a Clubland mix in like your underagers nights out that you went to Liquid, Lindsay knows. <laughs> yeah, like it does, like if they met in Greece, it does sound like someone 
playing in some like hot country like outside beach vibes you know what i mean i i wonder if they actually were gonna do more into that like in uh, and properly point it out a bit more i kind of wish they did i kind of love that it's the the pieces are there for the more eagle-eyed viewer to put together (laughs) um i've got to ask did either of you know about any of that no no none of it but i love that like i love just being able to put myself on mute and just listen to someone talk about a film (laughs) and uh that like but it's such a good theory though and like you say there's posters in the background you know the records everything makes sense it all comes together and i'm sure like edgar wright probably did put that in there for someone more attentive than myself and Lucy to watch put this, together. I've watched this movie so many times. Um, <laughs> I've also, like, to be fair, I've watched, like, um, I think the the, the ice first spot, when I, I say I first spotted the posters, uh, I think it was a YouTuber or something, like, someone I was watching that, that pointed it out, and then it was this watch round that I noticed the poster return at the end of the movie. So I was like, yeah. And then that's what, like, really built off this whole theory, and I was I so wanted to message, I, like, Lucy, there's so many times I wanted to message you, I was like, no, I'm saving it for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you did. We know Sean is an arsehole, but obviously he has this amazing redemption arc. But it's just, I think David is the biggest arsehole in this. I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we? And I don't know if it's just me, and I know you're not supposed to like Ed till the end, but I love Ed throughout this film. I think he's absolutely brilliant. I want to be his friend. I don't know if you agree, Lindsay. Might not be the best kind of friend to have that's going to motivate you, but great for, you know, video game nights and spooky sleepovers. Yeah, like, I do like Eddie seems like a lot of fun and I think that was maybe Sean's problem I think we've all maybe been there with a party friend before and they're just like hey let's go out and you're just like yeah going out so much fun but um now that Sean's like away from that he can actually put that time and energy he would have into like going out drinking and playing games and stuff to actually focus on what was his like original dream well, from what Drew said, anyway. Oh, because oh, obviously de- DJing. Get we can get a layer deeper now because as as Pete points out, Ed is holding him back. Yeah. Like, the entire now he doesn't have Ed. Ed is just locked in his garden shed, and he can go to Ed whenever he needs to. He, you know, he does. He's not being held back by him. He can go and do this stuff. The the layer goes an, another step. Yeah, because they were really in each other's pockets before. Like, that was a three-way relationship with Sean Liz and then Ed, like, always by Sean's side all the time. And I'm sure that must be a frustrating for anybody in relationships when there's always this, like, other person hanging around all the time. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I like Ed the character. I don't like... But, you know, there's also, like, in terms of, like, a zombie survival thing, I don't want him around. This is true. But I think it is, it is a relatable experience. I think we've all had somebody in our lives that maybe isn't the best for us and, like, there may be a bad influence. And But it's hard to let go of people, especially if you've been... Like, especially when it comes to friends and you know if you've had a childhood friend for like years and years and like you said Lindsay we've all got a party friend that's like you want to go out yeah fine let's go and like yeah you don't prioritize the important shit as well so with all that being said will we get into 
box office and ratings. Oh, actually, I do have, and it's not about the movie. Um, I did, I did tell Lucy that I do have a a, a meeting Simon Pegg story. Oh, I did promise to tell it for the podcast. Yes, so is now tell. a good yes. time, or do you want to do the box office? Right, I can tell. I can tell Lucy's been waiting for this. One. <laughs> tell it now. Um, so. I am I'm not from Newcastle. Um, I'm actually originally from Essex and um, I used to have to go to London to go get my comic books. I'm a massive comic book nerd. Uh, my hometown doesn't have a comic book shop. Still to this day, doesn't have a comic book shop. And that's why I moved to Newcastle. But yes, I love comic books. So I had to go to London to get my comic books regularly and I'd go to Forbidden Planet in, in London. The London Forbidden Planet store, if, you, if, you, if you've never been there, um, is, is the big mega store. They've got a massive collection of like, you know, if, the, if, if you want a movie memorabilia thing they've got it there and they've got a, a great comic book section book section stuff like that all downstairs uh, and regularly they have a lot of signings on and so i was downstairs i was getting my comic books and i just weirdly noticed that it was just me and this other dude in in the in the comic book section and no one else like everyone was staying standing well away from that section i was like maybe there's like and like i was like maybe there's like a famous person here and i, I don't realize who it is and stuff like that like it's it's some author or something like that and maybe that's all they're all over there because the you know an author's about to do a sign or something but like go about my business and then um as i say there's me and this one other guy there and i'm going around grabbing my comic books and i've got my headphones on and i'm, I'm listening to music or podcast or whatever i was listening to probably music that happened to bump into i happened to like in a, in a careless moment i happened to walk into this other gentleman knock him down to the ground and i go i'm really sorry about that and i put my hand out and i pause because I'm suddenly freaked out because on the floor is Simon Pegg. The other guy in the shop is, is uh, the other guy in the shop who everyone is is staying well away from is Simon Pegg. Now I sit there and I help him and he's like, oh, no worries. And I help him up and stuff like that. I then spend about the next 10 to 15 minutes shitting myself in the bottom of the implant being like, I've just knocked Simon Pegg over. Oh my God. And then like convincing myself that this is not Simon Pegg. Like, oh, Simon Pegg, he's like famous. By the way, this is a few around about the time hot fuzz came out in cinema but i'm sat there going like no he'd have people who would go to the comic book shop for him surely like he's he's a famous person like he wouldn't go shopping for comic books by himself and stuff like it wasn't him it wasn't him it definitely was not simon pegg um it can't have been simon pegg there's no way it was i've not just bumped into simon pegg and knocked him over in a forbidden planet in london like it's i definitely didn't do that it didn't that's how i spent 15 minutes i got upstairs to pay simon pegg is not only up there paying paying for his comic books and him by himself and not having a famous you know comic book shop before him or anything like that uh he's also signing because the the forbidden planet in london is around the corner from the the the, 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 the big odeon that everyone knows and loves um and they get the movie posters from there after uh, uh the movie posters from there and they had this the hot fuzz movie poster which had previously been signed by Edgar Wright and Nick Frost and he was signing it and you know Edgar Wright's was just his signature I remember like this is how badly I remember this moment like, I was like oh my god this awful I've done, I've done it I've bumped into him and he left and that was the, the, my meeting of him Simon Pegg like had signed it as well and like you know oh, love Ben Planet it's great uh, Edgar Wright was just like a signature and Nick Frost's signature and I remember this to, um, to, to the end of my life was Forbidden Planet London is the best comic book shop in the world uh, and anyone who would dare rob from here I will personally come to your house and kick the living shit out of you with love, Nick Frost. That is iconic. Uh, that's my. Behavior. That's my. I met Simon Pegg. Yeah. What? 
An absolutely incredible story. That is chaos personified. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't believe it. And I don't think, I think I went home and I think my mum and dad could tell that something had clearly happened, but like oh, was not you. asking me about it. Like, was, it wasn't until like two days later that I told them what happened. <laughs> so now that we've got, I heard this amazing story at. I think I would still be having like anxiety about that. Like, oh yeah, nightmares <laughs> in the middle. Of the, you know when you remember stuff in the middle of the night, the embarrassing things you've done like yeah. five years ago. That would just haunt me forever. Yeah, that would be it. mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Shaun of the Dead was made on a four million dollar budget and grossed thirty million dollars. So, in terms of like return on the investment, amazing job. But like didn't make like a huge amount of money really and I feel like something like this should have made like 150 million because it's so good yeah like that's surprisingly low like even if you look at like the currency and like look at 2004 versus now it's still not in triple digits and I'm really surprised by that because it's such a cult classic and everyone loves it so much. I mean, I think I think it's one of those movies that probably made a lot of its money in DVDs. Yeah, because it's not like you know you got to remember this is a lot a lot of their first movies that they'd ever done. I don't think Nick Frost and Simon Pegg had, had done anything prior to this, really. Like they weren't big names. So IMDb rated this a seven point nine out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes critics rated it a ninety two, and the audience rated it a ninety three percent. And Metacritic rated it a sixty, not sixty seven, a seventy six percent. I can't read. <laughs> So, like, really good scores across the board there. Especially from the critics as well. Like, the critics and the audience agreeing on Rotten Tomatoes, that is, like, a new thing. Never seen that before. Unheard of. So, let's get into our own ratings. Who gives a shit what these people think? Drew, what do you rate Shaun of the Dead out of 10? Do I have to do it out of 10? Do it, like... You do it over a million if you want. No, I mean, no, I mean, like, I, I hate, like, ratings, movie-wise, I hate rating stuff out of 10. Like, I go with, there's a there's a YouTuber I like, but, like, they, they're the way they rate movies is either it's, it's best movie ever or worst movie ever, because there's no in-between with the fans. Okay. So everything either has to be the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. And for me, this is this is one of the best movie ever. I mean, like it is one like as you as you can probably probably have picked up on by this point if you've listened to this far into the podcast and wondering what I think of it. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like if if I make if I actually sat down and wrote a top ten list of best movies ever, uh, this would easily be in my top five movies. Like it is such a good movie. It's so well made. Like you can just go back and watch it. It stands up. Lots of good practical effects. Um, you know, it's directed so well. Um, I love all of the Chekhov gun stuff, even like, you know, there's the obvious ones, but then there's like the even the ones that I sort of have, have bought up. I would rate this as 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 a best movie ever. Lucy, do you rate Shaun of the Dead as a best movie ever or a worst movie ever? <laughs> I think it's kind of obvious from how we've been talking. It's the best movie ever, but I am still going to give a rating as well because I I love our out of tens. I feel like I've been rating stuff quite high lately, but well, actually I say that I gave Resident Evil a five last week, but I'm going to give Shaun of the Dead a 10 out of 10 because it is a stellar film. There's not really anything I could complain about this. I'd be really nitpicking. Maybe, well, some of the language in this is obviously like looking at it in a 2022 lens, mm, problematic, especially with Ed. But I think like, 
you know, I wish I watched this when it came out or sooner. I wish I had waited till I was like 18, but it's just horror comedy personified, but it also has heart to it. And, you know, a lot of people will be put off by watching stuff because there's a lot of hype behind things, but like watch Shaun of the Dead. It doesn't matter about the hype and like, actually, I think a lot of people will be surprised when they first watch it because I think it's just going to be a zombie comedy with no depth. But in reality, it just has a lot to it and a lot of depth like we've talked about yeah this is absolutely like a best film ever um i'd give it a nine out of ten just because i'm very fussy about my ten out of tens but yeah this is like my favorite horror comedy ever 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 like everything is measured against this in my eyes um because it's just absolutely timeless, so much rewatchability value, just like the best rom-com ever, I think anyway. So yeah, 9 out of 10, best film ever for Shaun of the Dead. So let's get into movie number two. Joe seems to be putting it off for some bizarre reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lucy, do you want to take us through Zombieland Double Tap, please? Yes, let's take it away. It's time to nut up or shut up. <laughs> Sorry, just you in that chair. I think it would have made a damn fine president. You would have brought a real dignity to the office. You're welcome, America. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. But do you know what I would like? I don't give a shit what you mean. It felt so good to be on the move again. Whoa! Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? Oh, whoopsie. I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley. You don't have weed, do you? <laughs> do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom! Yeah! I have nothing against hippies. I just want to beat the shit out of them. We're gonna go get her. We ride it, Dawn. Start talking. You first. Well, my name's Tallahassee. Okay, is it me, or does, does he kind of remind you of... I don't, I don't like you. At, at all. all. I think you double parked. <laughs> or more perpendicular parked. Hope we don't get a ticket. What is going on here? What? Hello, everyone. Am I hallucinating? So the IMBD plot for Zombieland Double Tap is as follows. Columbus, Tallahassee, 
Wichita and Little Rock move to the American heartland as they face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors, and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. This film was released in 2019, and the cast includes Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, and Abigail Breslin. This was directed by Ruben Fleischer, uh, whose other works include the original Zombieland, 30 Minutes or Less, and Venom as well. Didn't know that. This was written by Dave Callaham, and the story is based on characters created by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. I'm going to start off with you, Lindsay, because I know how much you love Zombieland. And like you said, there's a little origin story there because you love the first one. And I saw the second one with you. That was the first time I'd seen it because we did a double feature. We were getting drunk in your local and we were like, let's do another podcast. So do you love the sequel as much as you love the original? Are you a stan of both or yeah, tell us. I do I do like the sequel and I do kind of get other people's like critiques of it because is it a necessary sequel? No, because like Zombieland, like the first one, does really do the job. But I'm not gonna pretend that it's not nice to check in with these characters after 10 years. And I understand people's other frustration with it that it doesn't really offer anything new. But again, I just like that it's a check-in with some of my favorite characters but I love that you picked this film for why are men because I've as I've got older and I said this in the, our very first episode when we covered Zombieland I hate Columbus so much Thank he you. is the fucking worst he's such a little creepy incel and I think that's really like exacerbated in this film as well like who the fuck does he think he is I like I really 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 don't like him but I love our other characters in this film we stand Tallahassee till the end of time Tallahassee makes this film um absolutely now Drew you really like this film right I mean you've been just singing its praises to me since since you watched it tell us tell us how you feel about it because we I don't had some think that's true at all Lucy <laughs> well, how, I don't how think do you, you said then? it how do you feel? I really hated this movie. It made <laughs> me so angry. <laughs> Genuinely, re- like so. Um, for, for anyone who doesn't doesn't know me, uh, my 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 now wife Re um, and me sat down to watch this. I was like, I have to watch this for the podcast. I watched we watched All the Dead together. Re was like, I've heard it's bad, so I'm gonna go make a castle for the rats. She did. That's what she did during the entire movie. And I kind of wish I had done that as well, because it would have been more entertaining. No, um, no, honestly, this movie was it was it was really bad. Like, you know, was it necessary? No. Did it offer anything new? No. And it's like it's such a shame because Zombieland One is one of the best zombie movies in existence. Um, whenever someone turns to me and goes, Oh, but zombie movies do but I, I I love zombies. Uh, oh, but zombie movies, they're all the same and stuff. Uh, like, no, go watch Zombieland. Like, it's genuinely a really good movie. And, like, yes, Columbus is, is not the most likable person, but at least unlike a lot of movie main characters, you know, he's not an action man. He's not, you know, he's not Tallahassee. Tallahassee is the usual main character of, of, of most zombie movies. You know, he's out there, he wants to kill the zombies, stuff like that. You know, he's small, he's weak. Jesse Eisenberg plays him decently depending on your feelings of jesse eisenberg um terrible lex luther decent columbus a, a lot of move a lot of sequels end up falling in the trap of like hey do you remember the first movie do you remember everything you loved about the first movie well we're gonna do that again 
and that's this entire movie like and e- there's so many flaws in the logic of this movie i was like honestly re kept looking at me from time to time just being like you just look mad and I'm like, I am mad. Like, this movie is so bad. And I don't think I could say one redeemingly good thing about this movie in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's Lindsay's crying uh, the <laughs> Which is why I feel really bad, because, like, I've, I come on set. So, obviously, so, so, so a couple of things to point out. It's from, again, from the behind the scenes of the Ghoul Friends podcast. One, having to hit, sit here today and hear that this is how this movie, the, 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 the good thing that this movie has done is it's made this podcast for me to come and complain about them. Trash this movie is. Because um, I, 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 I love. I wanted to see this in the in the cinemas. I'm glad I didn't. Uh, but just I, I didn't. I was, was busy with the cat and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, I wanted to watch it while I was on Netflix. Just never got the opportunity to do so. And so it's the perfect opportunity to sit down and watch that movie and just be bitterly disappointed. Lucy, they they said to me like, we're going to watch this movie because there's a dickhead in this movie. If I remember correctly, uh, Lucy, correct me if I'm wrong. You didn't point out who the dickhead was, did you? I did point out who the dickhead was. No, I said Columbus. After you said, (laughs) no, sorry. Before we watched the movie, before I had sat down and watched the movie, you had just said, we're going to watch Zombieland 2 for the terrible boyfriend. And I said, I hadn't seen it. You didn't tell me it was meant to be Columbus. So this led to the wonderful, like when I tweet, I think it was, did I tweet about it and then you message me? Or did I message you being like, I've watched Something. it now? Well, whatever. I put on, I put out in a way that, that, that Lucy was able to see it. And Lucy messaged me immediately. Like pretty much I could tell the moment she'd seen whatever that was. Cause I got a message that was just like, oh, isn't Columbus the biggest dickhead? And he's such a terrible boyfriend. And I went, wait, he was the dickhead? <laughs> I thought it was another character in that movie that is a way bigger dickhead. Than, than than Columbus really is, and I get like there's a lot of negative traits about Columbus and stuff like that. But in terms of the character that we represented in in this movie, I don't think he was the biggest dickhead, and we we can get into that later because like this is just my my general thoughts and opinions of this movie. Like this movie made me angry. Well, can I just say this is my niche now of picking films that make people angry, and I'm very happy to have that as my niche because I just like making it's not so bad, just like making everyone upset and annoyed. You're getting your mojo back. Like this is yeah. what you used to do on the old show. I used to pick I, the shit films. I feel like Lucy makes great films. <laughs> you used to pick films that upset people, and now you've done it for a few weeks in a row. <laughs> so you got your mojo back. <laughs> the bitch is back. <laughs> I'll admit, like, the sequel's really fanservice-y. That's basically what it is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, anyway. Um, did I enjoy it? Yeah, like, would I actively choose to watch it? No, especially not in comparison to the first one. But, I mean, I also have to kind of look at it in a sense of we watch a lot of horror movies, and there is this trope in sequels being utter dog shit like look at friday the 13th it's not as bad as some of the sequels we watch like i'm not gonna lie it's bad but it's not as bad as some of the trash that's out there we'll get into the plot and then we'll get into the characters and everything like that as well um so obviously we've all watched the original as well and we're all fans of the original so this is five years after the events of the first film so we still have our i was going to say trio but it's not there's four of them so we have tallahassee columbus Wichita and Little Rock and they've become like absolute experts in identifying and disposing of various zombies I really like this setup because it reminds me of the old one when they're talking about uh, like the new strains of zombies I've loved the Homer the Homer is like I relate to that 
on on like a spiritual level <laughs> just like you know no caffeine in the morning i mean that 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 there is one thing that's good in this is that you don't get like you know uh like left for dead where you have the special zombies in left for dead and it's like yeah. they're called uh like the smoker of the tank the you know they've got all really cool names and stuff like that and then, like i just love that there is like the idiot zombie and rather than it being just like the dumbass or whatever it's like you know it's Homer. It's it's you can say that to anyone and they instantly get the joke. Yeah, exactly. And then we have Hawkins as well, which is the smarter than your average flesh eater. I really like the bit where like they take the eye out of one of the dead corpses and then it does the eye scan. It's like, <laughs> bitch, you ain't got rid of me yet. I will say that. So I said so I said I couldn't say one redeeming thing. That is a redeeming bit. That was that was badass. That is the only good See? thing I'll say about this movie. Are you, I'm holding you to that because there will be other good bits and I will get you to admit that. Um, and then we have the ninjas who hide in the shadows, waiting for the right time to kill. They're quite stealthy. They remind me a little bit of like the stalkers from The Last of Us. Lindsay, what do you think of this setup? I can imagine you really like this because it really is like a proper throwback to the first film. Yeah, I like the way it expands on the world that we already know. It like adds extra stakes to what's going on as well. One thing, as much as the, even the narration is a throwback to the first one, one thing I don't really like about the narration is that when Columbus starts like mentioning something about YouTube and I'm like right this was 2009 maybe my like internet history is not quite there yet but I don't know like how far along we were with like YouTube being a massive thing then and with it being an absolutely massive thing now and then he's like oh we don't have YouTube to keep us occupied are you narrating this from Zombieland what 2014 or are you narrating this as present day America like 2019 because the narration is a little bit inconsistent that way and it's more like the nitpicker in me is like like I don't like that and I don't know why that's been added because it actually just confuses the whole kind of timeline of everything that's going on right now. I think YouTube started in 2005 but it didn't really become a thing till like 2013 2014 so it is it is a bit illogical you know what I mean how's everyone gonna have wi-fi and go on youtube and stuff I'm sure there's not great service in z-town there's there's stuff later on when they're like oh you've picked us for your zombie entertainment and it's like what there's no fucking television like there's, it's a zombie apocalypse. What are you talking about? Also, like the, the the zombie entertainment thing. I I think even if you see in the first one that the way he presents his commentary is as if he's you know doing a movie in his head. Um, or at least that's the way I I, I tend to look at it. Is like you know not only are we getting to see this as a movie from his point of view, but uh, his commentary is done in his his inner monologue is done entirely. Uh, as a movie hence why they have those uh zombie kill of the week because i refuse to, to to reference the new movie on that one because i hated that bit as well what the zombie kill of the year you didn't like that <sighs> so i thought <laughs> zombie kill of the week in the, fir- in the first movie really clever joke i really enjoyed it and the kill was was good and then they present you know our oh, zombie kill of the year they present it at the first bit where the dude runs the person over with the with the combine harvester, but they point that that's zombie kill of the month, not of the year, because zombie kill of the year is the much later bit 
where he the it's the Italian dude and he does the um uh the leaning power uh, leaning tower of Pisa onto the zombies, which in some ways was very cool. I, it was it was a funny gag, but he does it with a carjack, and I'm like, come on, like we know that the leaning tower of Pisa is not going to go over with a with a carjack. We wouldn't be allowed near it today if if it could go over so easily. It is literally zombie kill of the week from the first one. We drop a heavy thing on a zombie. We just made the thing heavier. It's not a piano this time. It's the leaning tower of Pisa. Yeah, no, I'd I'd say I'd say that's that's fair. Um, I do like like I I mean the zombie kill of the week was chef's kiss, but the the chukter in me that you know is in Aberdeen and sees farmers everywhere. I kind of loved that kill. Like it it it, it brought me a little bit of joy to be honest, but. I mean that's that's fair. As I mentioned, there's this like voiceover from Columbus. It's definitely you know referring back to the the original film, and they've all set up their new home in the White House. Which I mean, it's pretty smart because if you think how massive it is, it's basically a fortress. I'm curious, like if you both had a choice of somewhere to to hide out the zombie apocalypse, where would you go? I do love that they go to the White House. Obviously, it's like a really recognisable thing but also when I was watching this and being a bit more nitpicky and critical I was like someone else would have done that before why isn't the president still there like we see how much America loves the the president especially in movies and stuff you know but we don't even get a like oh they they fell when they did this or anything it's just like oh no obviously the White House is free and it's obviously such a safe place to go once we go kill all the zombies that are there as to your actually as to the question of where I'd go, I don't know because I think I'd probably just die almost immediately in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, like that's a tricky one because we were kind of saying before, like, oh, it'd be good to be like up high because then like the zombies can't get to you. But then obviously there's only a finite amount of food in your home. So the part of me was like maybe a supermarket, but then supermarkets would probably be the first place to be absolutely ransacked as we saw with at the beginning of the pandemic so i don't know it's a tricky one where would you go i know this sounds really fucking stupid but i was thinking about it for myself and i was like where would i want to go i don't know why my mind went to like butlins or center parks (laughs) (laughs) i know you know that i'm probably the first to go you're the one that survives to the end lindsay so if i'm gonna die Let me be in like a kiddie pool and like steal all the booze and the mini fridges and stuff like that. Like, I don't know why butlers came to mind. I know, have all the red coats singing about Shania while you all go. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's just the time. I, I genuinely cannot think of a good place. I mean, I'd probably just try and stay in my house. Like, all my skills and that as, as a person in, in, in today's modern age is nothing to do with, like, I, I would die almost instantly. Um, and if it didn't die instantly and I survived a little bit, Ree would definitely kneecap me to get away from zombies. She's told me this <laughs> countless times. Uh, this is a regular conversation that we have, which is just like, you know, you only survive by not being the slowest. As if I didn't like Ree anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's this, uh, it's the reason I knew I had to marry her uh, was, was that. As I mentioned, they've been, they've been there for a while and we get this bit with Columbus. Again, being a, a complete arsehole, in my opinion, you know, he's saying they're like in this domestic bliss with Wichita, but not really. I think they said something like they need to spice things up. They've been going through a bit of a rut. So he decides, you know what? That's a great time to propose. Even though Wichita's clearly said that she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to be tied down. Not everyone has to. And especially in these zombie times. 
but he still does it anyway. And this just pisses me off to no end. Like, Lindsay, what do you think about this? Were you, like, really angry as well? I mean, I just think it's a bit bizarre when it's like, oh, here's something to spice things up. I don't really see, like, marriage as something to, like, spice something up more than something to, like, solidify something that's already strong. So it's just a bit, like, bizarre. And I completely understand why Wichita is so freaked out. Because I would be as well if, like, I'm fighting with my partner all the time and then they were like, oh, let's get married. <laughs> I'm thinking, we're not in a good place right now. <laughs> what are you doing? It screams codependency to me a little bit. He's like, I can't live without you, so I'm going to do this. But then, well, we see later on, he manages to move on. Right. So, like, as as a person who has got down on one knee and asked someone to marry me, that so annoyed me because it was not a good moment. You're right. Like, honestly, this is the bit where Columbus is a dickhead in this movie, really. Like, uh, uh, the rest of his uh, flaws aside for a second, this is the moment where he is a dickhead because not only does he do all of the stuff that you've mentioned that I'm not going to go over again for the sake of repeating it, but... She goes, really? And then he goes, I don't think so. I'd say anything about it. I'm going to go to sleep like no, but and then gets into the bed, hops at the bed and just instantly falls asleep somehow. Which, by the way, don't think that's anyone has ever done that, has instantly just fallen asleep immediately, especially after going like, I'm not being funny. The night I proposed to Ree, I, I slept terribly because of all of the, 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 the excitement of doing it and stuff like that. So like, no bullshit that you fell asleep almost immediately you just wanted to shut the conversation down because you didn't want her to say no because you don't want to hear that because you know it's going to be a no because you know yes you can't live without each other because you're in a zombie apocalypse you didn't fall in love beforehand you fell in love during um and like yeah sure whatever you were meant to be together and it, it only took the zombie apocalypse to get you together and every other man alive dying that's obviously the great dynamic that you really want in a relationship being the only option like the minute that she says like instantly goes towards going like maybe this is not the best idea in the world darling sweetheart maybe we are going through a bit of rot and stuff like that that's something that we should work on and communicate about or anything like that None of that. No, it's just, I'm going to fake going to sleep almost immediately. Sorry, he's staying up after night thinking, oh, that was a fucking terrible idea. What did I do? And especially when we know he's, he's anxiety ridden. He's He's got uh, a, a number of other issues wrong with him. He isn't going to sleep that night as easily as the, that movie suggests. Another another reason why this movie is terrible, it's so unrealistic. This man has no communication skills whatsoever. And as I said, nobody fucking falls asleep that fast. You're going to be fake snoring for about two bloody hours. But it's just like, he doesn't want to hear anything from Wichita. And it's like, you've just asked a very serious thing. You've not opened the communication lines. It's like, it's my way or the highway. And I don't want to hear anything else. It, it, like you said, it screams incel vibes. It just, it really does. On the same side, when we have this relationship with Wichita and Columbus, we have this relationship with Tallahassee and Little Rock because Tallahassee's kind of taken on this role as like a fatherly figure to Little Rock. And we see in this like time jump, Little Rock's turned 18. And as you do, when you're turning 18, you want some independence and like fair play to her. She's not got anyone her age around her. She hasn't for over five years, you know, everyone around her is like 20s plus you know she's not grown up with anyone so she is rebelling a little bit and Tallahassee is trying to trying to protect her I do get where they're both coming from I don't I just have such a soft spot for Tallahassee I love him and I'm just like oh I can understand that but it's not really 
justify the little rock fucks off and everything like that but you can kind of understand being an 18 year old and just wanting to get away from people I do love this storyline because it feels like something that would be real in the zombie apocalypse like you know someone who's a teenager struggling with the fact that they're growing up they're the only child there and then also on the other side of the coin which I wish they kind of like delved into a little bit deeper in the first film we find out that Tallahassee's son was killed in the zombie apocalypse so naturally he's kind of attached on the little rock and like brought her up and those paternal figures that he would have had for Buddy I think the wee boy's name is and they've kind of transferred to Little Rock instead and I wish they'd kind of explored more about maybe how he feels about that rather than I feel like they ramp up some of his more eccentric characteristics the way he carries on around cars and stuff is like a little bit it's a bit too much sometimes like it's it's funny but if you saw someone in real life acting like that you'd be like mm. and then the way he reacts to Berkeley being a pacifist it's like it's a bit OTT and I think maybe rather than like ramping up those characteristics we could have had something like in Shaun of the Dead like something really poignant about like parental relationships and and loss and growing up and how it feels when your like babies are flying the coop um and we, we miss that because it is such a poignant moment in the first film when we find out that Buddy is not a dog, it's he's indeed a child, and you kind of understand why Tallahassee is the way he is, and it's just like, oh, we'll just forget that ever happened for this film, and it, it could have been something really nice to explore, actually. Yeah, because like it reminds me a little bit of, you know, when we watched Aliens, and there's the cut where they cut the bit that Ripley mentions that she she had a child and she was a mother and it's like if you have a kid that's a key component of who you are as a human being you know your life changes when you have a kid whether they're in your life or not they pass away whatever it might be and Tallahassee is such a stereotype of like hyper masculinity so to show this other side of him would have been really nice um Drew what do you think I mean, like, honestly, I was going to sit here and I was going to say, like, yeah, obviously, you know, we, we don't, he, he, he sort of takes on the, 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 the trying to be the father for Little Rock. And obviously they, they hype up a lot of these other aspects, his, his hyper-masculinity and stuff like that, and how he is the one who wants to go out and kill all the zombies and, and all of that. But yeah, no, you are, you, like, I never really sort of considered the other side of it. Like, yeah, that would have been really nice to have seen him, you know, instead of getting annoyed at the fact that the dude's a pacifist, just being annoyed that she's left. Like, if that was the reaction, at least you could go back and understand that, especially with his, his, his sort of, his past. You've made me more annoyed at this movie that they didn't go in that direction and, and grow. They, they do an effort to grow the character in, in that bit in the first movie, only to really kind of throw it all away in the second one, because that's the thing that everyone likes about Tallahassee, was that he is this he is this badass who, who goes out and kills a zombie. But largely, because he's lost everything at that point, what has he got left to live for? And obviously the, the family dynamic that they bring in is what he ends up finding, uh, as well as the Twinkie. And he doesn't have to... Like, a lot of this movie, for me, with Tallahassee, uh, the annoyance is, is that they don't really do anything with him apart from the Little Rock, uh, the Little Rock storyline, which is kind of just really weak for him in compared to what they they did in the first movie, which is my thoughts and feelings of this entire movie. I, I would have loved to see the version of the movie that you two write and direct, where where we actually see him react way more for Little Rock than he does at the dude being a pacifist. As we mentioned, there's this tension going on between Wichita and Columbus and Tallahassee and Little Rock. They end up having 
quite a big blow up and it's it's a shame because we have the we have the Christmas scene which actually isn't during Christmas it's in November I kind of like this where Columbus is like I'll sit on your lap and Tallahassee's like I don't give a fuck get away <laughs> um but Little Rock ends up being like you know what I want to be around people my own age and Tallahassee finds a note from Wichita and Little Rock kind of similar in the first film they take off after feeling too attached slash repressed respectively by the men in this film and Tallahassee's like they take Tallahassee's heavily modified presidential limousine he lovingly calls the beast as well and again another prime example in this movie where they're like hey what did we do in the first movie oh we had them leave and leave a terrible note oh let's just refer back to that and do that again but worse Because, like, I'm not being funny. It's a zombie apocalypse. They found and secured a place. I don't want to turn around and say that, like, they were as bad as, uh, or, you know, as Wichita is as bad as Columbus in that bit. No, she doesn't try and stick her. She doesn't have that growing moment like she does in the first movie where she realises, like, no, being around these people is a benefit. She immediately leaves at the first sign of trouble and doesn't try and communicate the problems to Columbus. She immediately fucks off. Uh, I'm not saying this this is this is redeeming for Columbus or anything like that. But it's just a terrible point of the movie where, you know, we, we have this. I mean, obviously, it's to, to let the rest of the movie happen because they just stayed in the White House. Nothing would happen in the movie. Um, but yeah, like, no, it just again, they're just doing the first movie again. And the first movie exists. I want to see something new. You're just going to get progressively more and more angry. And I'm very much here for it. No regrets. Sorry, not sorry, Drew. Another time jump. So it's a month later after Wichita and Little Rock left. And Columbus and Tallahassee decide to explore a mall. Columbus is mourning his relationship. Tallahassee is just in his own element. He's claiming that he has Native American blood running through his veins. He's like smashing vodka bottles and then like shooting zombies at the same time. And then Columbus meets Madison. Now, Lindsay, what do you think of Madison? I'm obsessed with her. I love her so much. He's <laughs> shaking his head. You know what's really fucking stupid of me? You're going to laugh. Like, I don't know why, but she she looks a lot like Madison Beer. And I was convinced it was Madison Beer playing somebody called Madison. It was something meta, but it's not. Oh, yeah, she does. No, it's played by Zoe, it's Zoe Dutch, um, who is Leah Thompson's daughter of uh, Back to the Future fame. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Drew, what do you think of Madison? I feel bad now because she's the daughter <laughs> of somebody from my favourite movie of all time, Back to the Future. Uh, fucking, I hated her so much. <laughs> right, okay, the one the one thing that I, 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 I have a feeling that you two probably won't like this. The one thing that I actually quite... She's she's just she's, she's an idiot the entire movie. She she uh, her survival story is stupid. You know she doesn't seem to give really give a rat's ass about the fact that zombies. But like she's just she's just a dumb character for the sake of having a dumb character. The one thing I genuinely actually really quite like the one thing that she did that made me not hate her and I actually laughed is the the bit that I know you guys more than likely are gonna be like typical that you'd say this it's the fact that she is just like i am horny because i've spent five years stuck in a fridge and you are the first people i've seen i want to have sex with one of you i was like do you know what fair enough love you you've you've presented your point real clearly you know yeah and it's that like you know that one thing where you you watch a movie and you're like how have i not seen like you see this movie go on like how have i seen anyone do like basic human stuff and like no she she 
presented what she wanted really clearly. It made sense. It wasn't for the sake of just, you know, anything else other than like, yeah, she's been locked away for five years. I'd want to get down if like I'd not seen anyone for five years. Listen, Bestie, I'm in complete agreement with you. We've had a long couple fucking lockdowns. Like, um, yeah, I, I can I kind of see where she's coming from. Lindsay, do you get it? <laughs> not in as well. It's like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like when she's like, like, are we doing this or are we gonna get the old guy? I'm like Yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm here for it. And honestly, I know we could say a million things about Columbus and how Columbus is not great. And uh, uh, please tell you know the the do you feel that Columbus was wrong in this moment? Please tell me before I speak and right. Honestly, I'm like, no, sorry, which to let like yes, okay, fuck you're a dickhead, you 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 did the whole proposal, you then immediately faked falling asleep. Fuck you, that never happened. It never happened for real. Um, and then, like, it's been a month, like, you know, away, and it's not then getting in a relationship or anything like that. Have, have your fun with this dumb, stupid character that I hate. The thing that pisses me off, right, and Lindsay, I'll definitely, like, please chime in with your thoughts as well. It's not necessarily the time frame because, like... If you're not together, you're not together. It's fine. Live your best life, whatever. But it's when Wichita comes back and he's like immediately wanting to be with her again. And it's like, you've got Madison in the back of the fucking car. Like, have some respect for this other person. That's what pisses yeah. me off. Like, maybe I was a bit too quick to say yes there. Because it's like, if right, you've broken on. up with someone, like, obviously after a month, you'll maybe go out and have a one night stand or something. But I think it's just kind of the way that throughout the film, he kind of uses her like a pawn and like him and Wichita have these really like passive aggressive conversations via like Madison and it's just like she's an actual person like I know there's only a couple of brain cells rattled around in there but she's a person and she still deserves to be treated with some kind of respect and they're just like the pair of them really are just really quite horrible to her and I just I don't like that and he's quite happy to do that to her because she was someone just to have sex with whereas Wichita is like the love of his life and it's just like no I don't agree with that no it's like the car scene really pisses me off where it's like oh how did we first meet and then we slept together haha little jab fuck you Wichita and it's like yeah this this bless her soul this girl it goes right over her head she has no idea and it's a fucking shame because she's just being used as this batting it's point between store. them I've just found out it's Leah Thompson's daughter. So you're even fucking worse now. <laughs> she was in Back to the She's the daughter of someone from Back to the Future. Get fucking respect. And also, to be fair to her, she survived this entire time by hiding in the freezer of a Pinkberry. And like, that's got to be fucking cold. Sleeping in a freezer every night, like a walk-in freezer. Give her her juice. And she says she's like by herself in that freezer as well. It's like, all survived together with each other. She's been on her own and they're so mean to her it's like this is the first time in a long time she's been around people and all they do is take the fucking piss out of her i would have her i would have her on my team in zombie land we'll, we'll take her um, i i will say that um I, it's just to cut slightly ahead into the movie now we're, we're, oh actually that's not because we're at the bit where we're in the car and stuff like that there is the bit where they think no she actually is kind of a little bit ahead but anyway doesn't matter um they think that she's got bitten um and and that she's a zombie and honestly out of all of the stuff we could say about columbus in this movie his biggest dickhead movie is in this bit or he doesn't shoot her because that would have got rid of that annoying character the rest of the movie would have been better off for it 
You absolute savage. I'm sorry. <laughs> but also the fact also the fact is like, yes, okay, honestly, in that moment, I just me and Reese sat down and went, it's a peanut allergy. Like honestly, immediately, like it's an allergy, it's something like that, whatever. Like we called it immediately. It's not a very funny joke. But it's the fact it's like you think this person's turning into a zombie and you still couldn't just you know, for the sake of survival, for the sake of this is meant to be someone as well, like uh, to, to, to try and lead it into a, a, a way that maybe I can get you guys to agree with. Like this is a, you know, this is a person you are meant to somewhat care for. You've, you've, you've used her the entire time. The least you could do is if she's turning into a zombie is shoot her and you can't even get that fucking right, Columbus. It's because Columbus is an arsehole and he can't commit to anything. And he changes his mind all the time, like an indecisive little twat. It's an absolute <sighs> prick. He's like, he's too, he's too much of a nice guy to shoot potential zombie Madison in the head. It's like, of course he couldn't do that. He's a nice guy. He's not like other guys. Oh. I just want to brush your hair over your ear like a fucking creep. He, yeah, fuck yeah. Columbus. Like, sorry, <laughs> you turn me around on this. Like, as much as I was See, Columbus, thank you. I, I, okay, I, I still stick to that. I do enjoy the fact that Columbus isn't like big action hero, and they present him in this manner where he, he has flaws, he has problems. Because you know, I'm sick of watching beautiful people in every movie who have no flaws whatsoever succeed the entire time through the movie. You know, give me more characters like Columbus in the sense that they have flaws. But yeah, he's he is a dickhead. He is an indecisive dickhead throughout definitely the second movie. I'm 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 holding off on the first movie because I still like the first movie. And I don't want to start thinking on that and realize that actually maybe <laughs> I also hate that one as well. No, no. keep keep the rose tinted glasses on. We all are. So Columbus invites Madison back to the White House, much to Tallahassee's annoyance. And then as we said, the bang. Um and then returning and discovering that Columbus has slept with Madison, Wichita explains that Little Rock has left for Graceland with a pacifist from Berkeley with no weapons and they've taken the beast. Fearing for Little Rock's safety, they head to Graceland in like a rundown minivan, including Madison. We kind of mentioned before, there's like this like back and forth between them all. It's very passive aggressive. I really don't know why they get back together, to be honest. I don't think they're meant to be. I think it's just circumstantial. But after this... They're trying to switch vehicles and secure an abandoned RV instead. And then they fight off a horde of zombies. I do quite like this sequence because they're kind of like experts at killing zombies at this point. And they're like 12 o'clock, two o'clock, bang, bang, bang. No, you don't like that? I, I, so, okay, right. The second redeeming feature of this movie that I'll give to you is that the action sequences are all pretty good. But in this scene, we have the the, the joke that's been done a thousand times in movies of doing the, the number, like, you know, 12 o'clock. It happens in Shaun of the Dead. Like, Shaun of the Dead does it as well, where they're like, half past two. And it's like, we all know, every single person alive knows how that works and what that means. But still in movies, we have to have this rip of going like 2.30, half past three, 3.45. Um, you know, like, no, just that's a terrible joke. Let's stop doing that now. That's thing number one I didn't like about that scene. Um, and thing number two I didn't, like, I didn't like about the scene, ultimately, it's for nothing apart from they introduce the next zombie type. Uh, which we could have had in a bit that actually continues the plot on rather than this decide scene for nothing to happen. Lindsay, do you like this scene? <laughs> I did quite like it in terms of, like, you can tell that the three of them plus Little Rock have been together for such a long time. Like, there's a synergy here and that it just, like, works so well. 
Um, I also like how Madison plays a part in this. Like we've just watched everybody in the car just like rip the absolute piss out of her, and then she basically saves Wichita's life at one point with her, yeah. with her mace. So no, I did quite like it. Um, the T eight hundred zombie that we get introduced to is like it is actually like really quite creepy like everything we know about zombies like shoot it in the head and it's not working and you do like on a first watch you do wonder like how are they gonna like foil these this brand of zombie because it's pretty much unstoppable until like Tallahassee makes it immobile and then like stamps on its head but you can't do that to them all no if you've got hoarded though it's not happening Oh, don't mention Horde because that come will come up to that later. Uh, <laughs> I, I have issues there as well. Um, no, but th- that's the thing with that, that 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 you know the t- you know as much as you say like we get to see these people who are meant to be hyper competent and stuff like that. Like that was enjoyable watching them all do this. Only ruined by again Columbus, worst character of all time apparently, um, doing that gag, which in Shaun of the Dead it works because they don't operate a gun, they they don't know what they're doing, and yet here is this people that we're we're all meant to buy in that they've, they've lived in this world they're meant to be really competent and in this scene we see them being really competent and it's not even like you know put madison in that role of calling out the numbers and i could understand that it like ah oh, it all fucks up because she doesn't know what she's doing but no columbus who is meant to be like the rules guy he knows what he's doing he sticks to his things he's meant to be the smart one and even he messes that up ruining like what should be a joke which doesn't work <laughs> I'm loving all these hot picks, I have to say. So after this, where yeah, they fail to secure the RV, so they retreat back to the minivan. And as we mentioned, Madison starts to show signs of zombification. So she's got pale skin, like deforming fa- facial features, she starts vomiting. So this forces them to pull over to the side of the road. So Columbus leads her into the forest to what we assume is going to be shooting her, but we've already said that that doesn't happen because the man can't make a decision to save his life. And then after this, they eventually arrive to Graceland days later, only to find it in ruins. And Tallahassee is absolutely heartbroken. But then, like, they find this this house, and Tallahassee, like, is a massive fan of Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley is this film's Twinkies. You know, he was in search of Twinkies in the last film. This film, he just wants to live his Elvis Presley fantasy. And they discover the beast, and it's at this um, Elvis-themed motel, and it's run by a gunslinging survivor named Nevada, who reveals Little Rock and Berkeley took another vehicle towards Babylon, which is like a hippie commune. They don't believe in guns. They don't believe in violence or anything like that. And Nevada and Tallahassee bond over their love of Elvis and spend the night together. I kind of love these two together. What do we think? Lindsay, are you team Tallahassee and Nevada? Bisexual in me loves this. I'm they're just like, can I get involved? Oh my God, they're so they're fucking sexy. Oh, it's ridiculous. I love it. Um, yeah, I love them together. I just kind of want to get in the middle. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I love Rosario Dawson anyway. Um, I love anything that she's ever done. And I again for like Tallahassee, like he lost his wife and his child. And I kind of love that he gets like a love interest in this like she's like such a good match for Tallahassee like he definitely needs a woman like uh, Nevada in his life but I kind of wish they'd maybe like pushed again this kind of like family loss like angle with this because he lost so much and he's kind of like 
over the course of the film, like gaining it, he's like learning that his like adopted daughter kind of is like growing up and now he's getting his wife back and like or like love interest figure back in his life so I wish we had like explored it a little bit more because it's very not that it's a bad thing but it's very much like sexual physical I feel like you can they have such great chemistry with the house and then Rosario Dawson on screen like it's like I say I wanted to get in the middle of it <laughs> this reminds me of when we spoke about Adam's family and we were just like Morticia and Gomez just please yeah <laughs> Drew, what do you think of this romance that's going on? At this moment in the movie, I went, oh yeah, Rosario Dawson's in this. And she's usually the best thing ever in anything that she's in. And uh, yet again, proven that she is the best thing in this this movie. Not a high bar to, to pass, in my opinion, personally. Um, but no, she, she's, she's really, she, honestly, she's really great. I think she plays this role really well. Like, again, like she does with everything she's ever in. She is honestly... Uh, a really good thespian and I really wish she was in more stuff yeah like that she she does make for a good match to, to Tallahassee which is which is really interesting and uh, I like the fact that he doesn't he doesn't immediately just go like oh I love you or anything like that like there is that like they have that play back and forth and stuff like that like it is a bit of a work and stuff however uh, as much as I went, oh, Rosario Dawson, this 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 should turn the movie into a really good movie at this point. You know, she's the best thing in everything she ever appears in. Almost immediately followed by two characters that I also, much like Madison, fucking hated. <laughs> and was just pointless joke in in not not Columbus. I refuse to even remember their names. Not Columbus <laughs> and not Tallahassee. So we'll get on to that part. So in the morning, they're awakened to find the beast being crushed by a monster truck driven by Nevada's friends. So it's Albuquerque and Flagstaff, who strongly resemble Tallahassee and Columbus. Now, this is like, yeah, Lindsay, what, what do you think of this little gag? Like, it's, kind of, it's not like, haha, funny, but it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, like, part of me is just like, it's a great little, like, wink nudge. Um, I, I, I hate this dick measuring competition between Albuquerque oh, and God, yeah, the Tallahassee. But I think it's, like, more, like, Albuquerque is so fucking unlikable because it's just trying to be, like, the big I am. And then again, yeah, with, like, Flagstaff and the Commandments, like, Columbus irks me. Like, calling them a bunch of rules makes more sense. Like, why would you cut about being like, oh, the Commandments? Like, what are you, Moses? Like is there actually any need but as much as they're like quite annoying I love this like it's basically like a one talk one take uh, fight scene for like 10 minutes or something and I just think it's absolutely brilliant like so well choreographed so if it gives us that like I'll take it but yeah I'm not massive on these characters and like Columbus is already like so annoying like with just the way he goes on like oh so oh I'm so quiet and nerdy and the next guy um and then we get another one it's just like no immediately no another one but worse yeah no the honestly you touched on it the fight scene really about like again 
all of the action sequences in this movie, I'm joining them all up into just the second best thing of this movie is that all of the action sequences are really good. And that one probably was the best one in the entire movie, to be honest. Like, you know, really, really well choreographed, really well put together. And a lot of like one shot things like this, like I'm, I'm a sucker for the one shot or the, the one shot looking. I prefer it if, it if you can tell whether it's it, it is one shot or anyway. And this one I couldn't tell was, well, I honestly could not tell if this was actually done in one shot. But the, the entire gag before, the commandments, like honestly, if it was, it felt like they were just trying to use this to bring up the rules again and, and sort of remind you that he has the rules, but he's been doing that throughout the entire movie anyway, so they didn't really see the point in that. You know, we don't really, they don't really like, they don't see it and go reflect on it or anything like that. It's just like, oh, oh, oh these two people are the same as the two characters you've been following and you know and love them, but they're kind of just worse in every way, shape and form. Like the commandments. Yeah, you're right. Like, why would you go straight to commandments is the thing you'd say. Like rules make sense, you know, like laws I go by make sense, but commandments is just not a word I would I would think to use. And how they're like, they, they do this, you know, dick, measuring competition between the two of them of like oh well, i have this rule at this point and i have this rule at this point and i word it this way oh i've got this one it's basically the same thing it's like it also just goes on too long that that whole like that specific bit the commandment rules thing goes on a bit too long for my liking like once or twice would have been fine i didn't need like a whole like minute sequence of then going through it all again and wording it slightly differently <laughs> Um, and sorry, is it not Tallahassee? I'm not going to call him by the names because I'm Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, not Tallahassee, as you say. <laughs> um, again, like the fact that he gets bitten and he's meant it like the whole point before this, he's like, I'm this hyper competent zombie killer. Obviously, to not be was just like so just like crap. But it did lead to a, a, a really good action sequence, which I can't really like as much as I, I'm hating on this movie and, and having to sit here and talk about it. I'm hating. Uh, this was like a really good, like a really good bit of the movie was this fight scene. Um, it's just unfortunate that the entire fight scene is is played for me by the uh, really terrible bit prior. It just occurred to me like when Flagstaff and Columbus are like twittering on about their uh, rules slash commandments, I'm so surprised that Wichita just didn't get the ick there and then. Like because she's been with Columbus for five years. So she's she's probably used to the way he goes on. But then being confronted with his doppelganger, more or less, who acts exactly the same, I'm like, I would have been like, oh my god, is this my life? And just immediately exited there and then yeah the thing that really gives me the ick in this scene and i get the the fight sequence is great i feel like one thing that double tap does really well is the fight sequences it feels like it is like enhanced from the first one like this like these specific types of men give me the biggest ick it's like when especially if you're somebody that is like afab fab presenting whatever if you're into something like i've seen this so many times when i've been in like the warhammer stores or if you mentioned you're into video games or fantasy stuff whatever like or even music oh name all the songs on this album from this artist oh you don't really like warhammer show me your armies and all this stuff and then it's this comparison contest and i'm like oh just get fucked that is the most unattractive thing someone can do like you know if, if, if just because you touch on that, I have to say, like, one of my favorite things to do is to go into a Warhammer shop with a girl, and then, like, when they come to me and go, What are you here for? I'm like, I don't know anything about this, yes, and then just let the girl, uh, let whoever's with me go, like, Oh, I want the space marine thing, I love doing that. Annoyingly, I can't do it anymore because the Newcastle shop hired a woman, so uh, that that fun joy that I had no longer exists, 
well if you come to visit come to visit me I'll take you to the one uh near me because it is rifled with misogyny I've been going there for years and I still got asked constantly you're right do you need any help or are you looking for like beginner sets well that's it I'm like oh just get fucked yeah no actually I'm here for the emperor and I'd like my <laughs> new army please <laughs> after this like fight scene they hit the road again and this time they're heading for Babylon so during these scenes as well we're seeing um Little Rock with this like does, I don't know if he actually has a name. It's just this like hippie boy that she's with. This boy, I hate him so much. And it's just like, oh, you know, he's like pretending like he's playing these songs and they're originals and they're actually covers. And he's just like, so I am the big man and like I'm better than everyone else because I'm a pacifist. Lindsay, what do you think? How is it possible that? Even during the zombie apocalypse, you still can't rid of, get rid of the cunt with the guitar. Like, <laughs> I remember at college, you would sit in, like, the dining hall. Oh, my God, And yes. there would always be some cunt with a guitar playing Wonderwall. And you're just like, why? Why are you doing that? Nobody wants to hear that every single fucking day. But, no, it's so funny. It just go- it goes to show, like, what guys will do to get their hole sometimes, like, why is going on? Why do you think I would ever play anything that's not from my heart? What the <laughs> fuck is that? Oh my god, it's so funny, and like I totally get it from her perspective as well because she's just like never been around people her age. She's, yeah, you know, can't imagine she's ever been kissed or anything like that before. So she's just like, you know what? I'll just go along with this because like this is a means to an end. Because uh, Little Rock's so much smarter than what she's doing right now yeah um but we've all been that silly teenager who'll just do something to get the attention of whoever it is we fancy at the time but yeah it's well it's not frustrating I find it quite like humorous but if it was happening in real if it was real life I'd be very frustrated for my teenager if they were putting up with that you know what's worse than the guitar cunt though is the drummer and there's not a drum set and they're constantly oh, oh, uh, on the I back can't... of a chair or something i fucking hate Fuck it. off shove them up your arse you silly cunt i say this every person i've dated has been a musician but still. <laughs> drew what do you think of our our hippie um what do you think i think of the <laughs> I, I hope you hate him as much as we do no she was the best no um <laughs> No, honestly, when when as as uh, that that message uh, that, that you sent to me, and I was like, "Well, I thought it was this other person." Yes, the hippie. I honestly thought the dickhead we were going to be th- th- talking about um, was this. There was this guy. I'm I'm a pacifist myself, but I'm sorry. But if zombies are coming at me, I'm gonna hit them. Like there is violence. Is sometimes, unfortunately, is the answer. Uh, and if it's the undead uh, coming to attack me, I'm gonna attack. I'm gonna defend myself. I'm. Sh- I-, I cannot buy that that, that that there is gonna be a pacifist in the zombie apocalypse. Of course, also yes, it's the dickhead. With the- he does the whole like again. He does the whole like. Oh yeah, of course I wrote this like really popular song, and it also made me hate Little Rock because obviously I know I know later on in the movie we find out that actually she's just going along with it for you know all the reasons you 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 point out, and maybe she probably would act like uh, a kid would do this, but. I- I just I loved Little Rock in the first movie, and in this movie, I spent most of it hating her because of this guy being just a dick. And I was just like, honestly, I know there's probably not a lot of options left in in you know in the world. Uh, you know, I know your sister's obviously settled. Don't live by her example. Like there is probably people 
much better suited for you, Little Rock, than this this dickhead with a guitar. And if he, he clearly cares about pacifism and stuff when he, he takes a car with a minigun attached to it, that was crap. How has he survived? Like, that never gets explained, really, um, whatsoever. Um, and yeah, like the fact that like if she really wants to go to Graceland and he really like doesn't want to do it, really tries to talk her down out of it. He uh, later on, he's like, oh, they've got this other place that's really good to go to. That's way better than that Graceland place. And it's the thing I wanted to go to. Die in a fire, please. Uh, the <laughs> fact that he also survives this movie was was an injustice. You know, and also jokingly, when when the thing with Pacifist brought up, uh, rewent that's you. And I was like, please don't. He's the worst character in this so far. And that's all. All that's been said about him was that he's a pacifist and he's a hippie. Oh, and sorry. And also, I just just to point it out, I get he's a hippie and I get that hippies like weed and they do that whole terrible job. Oh, you think I'm the type of person who has weed and pulls out this massive bag of weed. Right. Which I'm like, I'm sorry. It's five years into the zombie apocalypse. You know, Twinkies are a scarcity, but apparently you've been able to keep up your weed supply. How? If Twinkies can't survive? Like there is a serious foreign logic in this movie when that came up. And I was just like, I, you know, just honestly, like the, the hippie character, I honestly thought was going to be the dickhead that we'd be deep diving into and not Columbus. But now actually, I think you guys might have convinced me that he's, he's actually genuinely Columbus is the biggest dick in this movie and not the hippie. As I originally thought. There we go. I'm, I'm glad we've, we've changed your tune after this. Um, as we already mentioned, Madison doesn't get killed. So during an intimate conversation between Columbus and Wichita about their relationship, funnily enough, the group finds Madison. She's driving an ice cream truck heading in the same direction. She rejoins them and explains that her nut allergy caused symptoms similar to zombification. And instead of shooting her, Columbus spared her in the forest, shooting above her head to try and scare her off like a fucking deer in Bambi, honestly. They arrive at Babylon and begrudgingly give up their weapons and find Little Rock. Um, Tallahassee leaves only to find a horde of super zombies attracted by the commune's fireworks. What a fucking idiot. How how has has Babylon existed? Like, you know, honestly, like the, 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 the you know, I, I it, the, the, it was surrounded by a big wall. Uh, they had like the, you know, obviously they live on top of the tower. So there was a lot of really like smart stuff that I actually was like, you know, actually, this is actually like a pretty good place but like what you've never like you don't have guns you it's it they was it they melt the guns down instantly upon entry i'm like what you don't even keep any downstairs just in case yeah like seriously you, you need a backup plan like you can be the biggest pacifist in the world but if you do you're just putting everyone at danger at that point if you have nothing to protect yourself Lindsay, what do you think of babylon yeah i agree like babylon obviously in theory sounds absolutely amazing like this safe haven like everybody seems like really happy there and well looked after but yeah like the melting the guns thing it's like in this situation is such an idealistic stance to take as we see later on in the film could have such negative ramifications if our like foursome had not been there Every single one of those people would be completely fucked because they they don't have any knowledge, capability on how to deal with zombies, it seems like, because Tallahassee, like, well, our group really has to tell them what to do because they have no fucking clue. And it's like you say, how the fuck have they survived all this time? Because they all really seem... I mean, it's also they present when when our, our force and catches up with them and they go like, oh, you know, at any point, why 
when our forces and catches up with them, I'll just I'll, I'll go straight to this bit. When the forces and catches up with them, uh, they do the whole like you've got to give up your guns, and they're like, no, uh, you, 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 we don't want to. Uh, no, you're gonna have to if you want to get in here. And I'm like, why isn't Tallahassee just pull out a gun and go? No, just let me in here. What are they gonna do? Like, why? How have they even survived? Because like you know, uh, uh, the other zombie trope that really we don't get ever get to in Zombieland really is that humans tend to be, also be the worst thing ever, and it's not actually the zombies; it's it's humans. Why hasn't there been ever a moment where a guy's come across and gone, actually, this really tall tower, lots of walls around, this place looks really good. Wait, and they don't have guns. I can take this over immediately. Like, I just point my gun at them. What are they going to do? They don't even have anything to, like, sort of show what they would do if someone refused. It made no sense to me. It made no sense why our foursome, like, gives up their guns. Except for Little Rock, who actually is the most sensible one out of a lot of them, again. Left without guns, Tallahassee devises a plan to kill the zombies with exploding biodiesel and then have commune members armed with barricade shields um, to crawl the stragglers off a skyscraper with himself as the bait. Just because, you know, you, you kind of skip past the, another bit of the movie that I genuinely really hated that calls back to the first movie. Um, the bit with the fire and stuff that you mentioned, where they all get into a very tight space and they get surrounded by zombies, much like in the first movie where Tallahassee is surrounded in that little place and he's shooting out with the guns and stuff like that. It's why? And you know, and then and then obviously Rosario Dawson shows up, like the boss that she is in the in the in the in the monster truck taking care of them. But I'm like, how does she know to be here? You know, and all these T800s that we've seen the entire movie being really super resilient, all of a sudden not really being an issue. Uh, and we and you know, and as you mentioned, that the whole plan of leading them off the skyscraper. Oh, I'm like, what? Every single zombie that you know, these you're presenting these zombies as like they're the T800s, they're better than all the other. You've shown us a smart zombie that can pick up an eyeball and put it up to a retinal scanner to, to bypass the door to get to the, their kill. You're telling me that the all supreme super zombie doesn't go, Well, actually, if I run that way, I'll fall off the building, so I'm going to snack on this guy here and I'll, I'll fight against the shield and stuff like that. You know, there's this like as much as there's that one guy there who looks quite tasty, there's like 30 people with just shields that we could probably push past. Yeah, if it was like a generic kind of your stereotypical run-of-the-mill zombie, I could kind of forgive it, but they've really pushed in this that there's different types of zombies, different intelligence, like they're, you know, not, not like other zombies. <laughs> um, the zombie horde is absolutely fucking massive um, and the exploding biodiesel doesn't work. Um, the group is surrounded and basically like overwhelmed with this horde. Nevada arrives, as you mentioned, Drew, in Albuquerque's badass monster truck rescuing the group. And they're able to take out several of the T-800s before the vehicle soon rolls over and they can't get it back up. So they escape upstairs and the survivors coral the zombies off the roof. Tallahassee uses a construction crane hook to dangle just out of reach. Um, but the last two zombies seize his leg as they fall. Little Rock shoots him with a pistol given to her earlier by Tallahassee, which is like the gift that she got given on Christmas. And the two reconcile. And the thing that annoys me to my very core, Wichita accepts Columbus's proposal. Why did you do that, you idiot? Little Rock breaks up with Berkeley. We've got to have a happy ending. Yeah, tie it all up in a bow. Um, Little Rock breaks up with Berkeley as she fucking should, who ends up hooking up with Madison anyway, and they leave Babylon joined by Nevada. What do we think of this ending? Lindsay, what do you think of this? Because it is, it's it's tied up in like a shiny little bow and it's like, oh. Yeah, like the first time I watched this, I actually really thought that, Colum uh, not Columbus, Tallahassee was doing a suicide jump. Like 
and I was like oh my god like you just met this woman like why are you doing that but I was really happy that he didn't when they're driving off at the end I was it's it's Columbus when he's like where are we going let's go home and then he's like oh like going on about how home is a feeling and I'm just like why are you talking what are you even trying to say right now it's something that's so like a screenwriter thought this was fucking brilliant but it actually makes no sense whatsoever it could have just been like where next and then in his narration it could have been like it doesn't matter where we go because I'm at home with these people wherever we go or something like that but because he says it out loud it's so inauthentic nobody talks like that and it actually just doesn't make any sense what he's saying either and it wound me up it sounds like a like a hallmark card kind of thing you know when you get in the card it's it's something in your card like to a loving friend or partner or whatever drew what do you think of this this ending it kind of sounds like you're not too keen on the ending i mean as much as i've enjoyed the the entire rest of this (laughs) (laughs) i really have to say no the um so, like, you know, we talk, as we talked about in Shaun of the Dead, like, Chekhov's gun, um, you know, set something up, see it paid through. It can be done really well. And I feel like this movie was an example of, here's Chekhov's done, done horrendously bad. Uh, obviously, we get the whole Tallahassee uh, sets this all up by saying about his, his Native American forefathers who did the, uh, I can't even remember what he says, but, like, how he did the zombie plan. They, they did the zombie plan, but with, uh, was it Buffalo or? Just like, I, this, as I was watching that bit, I was like, this is so kind of not cool and not great. And, oh God, like, but whatever, like they've dropped it now. And maybe it's just, we can say it's like, you know, he's just zombie land. He's, he's mad, whatever. It doesn't really matter. There's more important things to worry about when the undead are, are coming about and stuff like that. I need to be built up for the really dumb plan that they have of just leading them all off the edge. Um, and not one of the zombies stops at any point. And then the snacks on the others, as I've already mentioned, was just really fucking terrible. The T-800s, the, the, the t- stereotypical, you know, here's this badass thing. We can't take care of it. It's so evil and bad and awful. And it's, you know, look at how invincible it is. Oh, we killed like 30 of them. It's no problem. Didn't like that. Uh, you're telling me that Little Rock, who wanted to get her rocks off, never once revealed that she had the gun. Like they never noticed the gun. And again, pointed out how like, these people clearly don't check for guns all that well. Like that was a reasonably sized gun that they don't find. It's not like it was this tiny little thing or anything like that. Um, So they probably could have kept their guns, no problem. I mean, I've already pointed out they really could have just kept their guns, no problem. But obviously we have to have the, the, the stakes for the end of the movie. And you know, again, like it was just this whole like, the, 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 it just didn't really pay off. I, I really did not like the. I mean, I didn't really like the plan and how they took care of it. Um, I, I thought we were going to get a bit more of like them fighting off against the zombies. I didn't really have like the, like the whole of people there at uh, Babylon fighting off against the zombies. No, they're just going to stand there with shields. They might as well have just been hiding elsewhere while he does this run. It probably would have made more sense. The, the narration was your home is wherever you are and whatnot it's like no sorry you're in a zombie apocalypse like you can't just keep driving around uh you need to find somewhere and bunk it down that's what you've been trying to do this entire movie and everyone has been trying to do this entire movie for you to want to like move on from that makes no sense didn't yeah (laughs) i i get i get i get where you're coming from though because there is a lot of like potholes and conveniences and like in the real world kind of like but that actually happened no 
I don't know if either of you saw this, but there's a mid credit scene set during the start of the outbreak in 2009. So obviously we had that call back to Bill Murray earlier with Nevada. Uh, Bill Murray uh, witnesses Al Roker turn into a zombie during an interview promoting Garfield 3, Flabby Tabby. Um, and before making his escape, he kills multiple zombies, um, including a zombie version of Grace Randolph. Um, and in a post credit scene, there's an outtake of Bill Murray causing the cast to break character while he's like pretending to like cough up a hairball or something like that. Lindsay, did you see this scene? Yeah, I saw these scenes. Um, I knew about like the first one, but I think the, with the last one, I was just kind of like, oh, the film's over now. And I was just like on my phone and not really paying attention. And then when the last scene came up, um, it was like, it was really nice to like bring bill murray back for this um when obviously his death in the first one is like a really iconic moment and i like as well how he's like poking fun at himself like he's kind of said before about how he regrets doing garfield so it's nice that he's able to poke fun at that and it's interesting as well we never really see well i guess there's there's a bit in the first one where we see like the start of it but it's very much Columbus's perspective it's only one person he lets um 406 into his flat and um we don't really see like the beginning of like how Zombieland became Zombieland on a a wider scale so I guess it was like nice to see that as well yeah it it was like a nice little callback Drew did you see the scene or were you just like the minute it ended nope turn off I'm done of course I watched the scene And of course, I have a completely different opinion to what Lindsay does. <laughs> I so sorry, so because we we never brought it up at the time. Yes, they make that reference earlier to to Columbus killing Bill Murray in the first movie. Best joke, one of the best jokes of Zombieland One. Love that bit of Zombieland One. Only for Zombieland Two to come back and taint it not once but twice. How does anyone else know? The only people who in in the world would know that Bill Murray was killed like that were all there in that room, you know, and not Nevada. How does Nevada come to find out that Bill Murray was killed because he pretended to be a zombie? Like, how does anyone know that outside of, like, those people? Like, you telling me that somebody else went there um, in the zombie apocalypse and then and put it on zombie Twitter um, and, and this, the, the news spread around about how Bill Murray died amongst everyone, apparently, for Nevada to then hear about it. Like, probably made me the angriest I got in the movie was, was that bit, only to then later be more angry at this bit with the Bill Murray sequence. You know, he does the whole, like, uh, obviously the leading to that sequence is the whole, like, Columbus guy, like, oh, well, you know, I feel really bad about that thing that I did to Bill Murray in the first movie. So here's this little thing that I thought you all like, would like to see. And sure, like Bill Murray is a joy in anything. He's is a phenomenal actor, and yeah, he hates Garfield, and obviously gets to have a bit of a stab at that. And honestly, I think that's probably the reason they got him to agree to do this because I can't figure out for the life of me why he wouldn't want to do a Ghostbusters three, but he wanted to come back and do this because surely he's better than that at this point. But only to have this entire sequence where he's going through and semi-killing people, and it's like, you know, there's the zombies all going on around him and everyone's being attacked, and there's all this chaos, only for someone to run up to him and be like, 
oh, I'm your biggest fan. I need to get taken out immediately because, of course, you're going to go get taken out immediately if you're spending the time to go tell Bill Murray how great he is. Let's be fair, everyone. If it's a zombie apocalypse, Bill Murray already knows how great he is. Don't bother. Like, honestly, I like, I just, I, it really like, again, it really solidified to me the whole thing in Zombieland 2 was like, hey, do you remember that thing we did in Zombieland 1 that was really good and really funny and really original? Well, we're going to do that again. Bill Murray, if you happen to be listening, do better. <laughs> I forgot that it was led in by Columbus say it, being like, oh, I'm really sorry I did this thing. So here's this, which I get like, when you remind me of that, I'm just like, yeah, that actually is. Really I'm sorry annoying. for But I do still like that. I'm, st- I'm sorry for the, the best joke of Zombieland 1. I'm so yeah. sorry that the, the best joke of Zombieland 1 happened. Um, so here's this bit that will make it up to you. I'm like, here's the bit that will make it up to me just don't show me this because you know this movie was already trash enough as it is and you only trashed it worse by like you you shout on the first zombie land and then you relive that first zombie i think and then you know i whatever yeah like i've said enough with all i can tell on that one so before we get into box office and ratings i know we've spoken little bits of trivia in here and there but just a couple more bits of trivia story that tallahassee tells in the hotel about his like elvis impersonation i think like you know he's in the library and like got the girl and stuff like that that's a true story of how woody harlson got into acting which i think so fucking cute um really yeah apparently so that's that's a true story um ryan reynolds was considered for the role of albuquerque but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts i could not see him playing albuquerque in the fucking slightest obviously as mentioned this is like the 10th celebration of zombieland so the original came out in 2009 this came out in 2019 there's a couple bits of dialogue in here where they're like oh that's so 2009 one of the things that i do love about the first sequence is we have master of puppets by metallica in the opening credits i fucking love that um, and this kind of mirrors the first movie when they had For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica in the opening credits. The creators of Zombieland 2009 had originally tried to use Master of Puppets for that film, but they couldn't afford the rights to it. The director, Ruben, said that if Zombieland 2 ever got greenlit, the first song that he was going to buy was Master of Puppets, so it could appear in the first sequence. Oh, the idea for an enterprise that Madison speaks about is in reference to Uber. Could you imagine if Madison was the founder of Uber? Like, girl boss love that but it was you know another thing i love about i love that scene because you can see emma stone break character and just like piss herself laughing which apparently happened quite a lot on set because zoe deutsch was just so funny jesse eisenberg said that as well it's really hard to do scenes with her because she was just too funny also michael sarah turned down the role of flagstaff i kind of like to have seen him in that because everyone compares him and jesse eisenberg they're like oh they're the same person i I was just about to say that like that would have been the best comparison ever one more bit of trivia because there is like fucking loads but one thing i like in the motel columbus witch town flagstaff are playing magic the gathering in terms of budget this film had pretty hefty budget I'll have to have a look back and see what the budget was for the original Lindsay in our first episode, but it wouldn't have been this high, but it had a $42 million budget and it actually did really well at the box office. It was triple digits. It made 122.8 million at the box office. So, you know, over doubled its money. Obviously there was a lot of hype for the original, I think because it was the 10 year anniversary and the cast that we had. In terms of ratings, IMBD gave Zombieland Double Tap 6.7 out of 10. The Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it 68%. The audience gave it 88%. And Metacritic gave it 55 So really varied 
but I don't give a shit what they say. I am interested to hear what you guys say. And I'm going to leave. I'm really curious, Drew, what you're going to say, but I'm going to leave yours to the last because I want to know what Lindsay thinks. <laughs> Lindsay, where are you going to give Zombieland double tap? I do. I do really enjoy Zombieland double tap. Like surface level is an enjoyable film. When you kind of dig beneath the surface a little bit, there are definitely a few issues. Would definitely agree that the first one is a lot better. But with all that being said, I am going to give Zombieland... I'm actually going to do something I don't normally do. Something I'm normally dead against. I'm going to go half points. (gasps) I know. That's how you know I'm conflicted. Uh, And I'm going to give it a 6.5 out of 10. Heck you, giving a half point after you rip into me every single time I do it. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever done it. I true. think uh, Lucy, this all this means is the next time that the uh Lindsay rips into you for this, you can be like, you go 6.5 to Zombie Land too. It's clearly two and a half points higher than it's uh <laughs> <laughs> well on that sorry, my no- opinion's last. Sorry, Lucy, please. Oh me. Well, you know what? It's really funny because I had the exact same rating as you're having Lindsay. And I was gonna like I wanted you to get pissed off, and I was like, I'm gonna give a half rating, ha ha ha. But I'm also giving it a 6.5, like. The original is definitely a lot better. I think I have a bit of a nostalgia for it because it's where, you know, girlfriends started and like a lot of love there, you know, got to start something with my bestie. But it's it's definitely like not the best film out there. Like, I think if you're having a double feature, it'd be quite entertaining for like a spooky sleepover. But um, yeah, definitely not as good as the original. Now, Drew, what do you think of this film? You're obviously going to give it like a 10 out of 10. So yeah, just like let us know. Oh, well, you know, as I said earlier, I don't, I don't, I don't like doing these ratings and stuff like that uh, out of 10. So I, this is definitely, um, uh, I, I could, I, I honestly, I could do the jokingly and say like, oh, I really love this movie. No, I hate, I genuinely really did not enjoy this movie. I really, uh, I feel, I hope I made my point clear the entire time through when I was like, I hate this movie. I really don't like this movie. This is a worse movie ever for me. I think you, I mean, obviously, I think the best thing that really comes from this movie is this podcast, um, which, you know, is a really good, it's an enjoyable podcast to listen to and stuff like that. And obviously I get to come guest star on it. And I'm not just saying it because, you know, I want to be invited back. But like, if this is genuinely the movie that made you guys want to sit down and do this, like this is, that is the best thing that came from this movie. Because that was a horrific watch. Killed the first one for me. Like the first one is so much better. It's original. It's really clever. The writing's good. Like the honestly, the only two things of three things that I can say in a positive uh, light for this movie is I can't remember what was the first thing I said that was really good about this movie. Genuinely blanking on it because action sequences was the the second thing I said. Well, the other thing that I'll give is Rosario Dawson's in it and she is a joy and she's the best thing in, in anything she appears in and yet again is proven yet again to be the best thing in this movie. Not a high bar to beat Rosario Dawson, but you did you did it yet again. I like you, I feel you two have been, you know, hopefully the, the 6.5 comes from the fact that you guys get to sit and chat every week about movies and have the enjoyment of doing that because um, I think you were about two and a half points over where it really should have been. <laughs> did you have fun talking about it today though? I mean, it was coming. It was. It was. It honestly, it was more fun chatting about how terrible this movie was. But I felt really bad because you guys are like going like, "Oh, we really enjoy this because like you know this is the, the 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 movie that made us like do this podcast and stuff like that." And yeah, you know, we had this secret hidden joy, this deeper meaning that you, no, you didn't warn me on that or tell <laughs> me about this. Oh, um, to my knowledge, at least. 
Um, so I feel like, you know, you guys are coming in here being all positive, being like, oh, you know, it's not the best movie ever, but, you know, we get to do this out of it and we have this, we have this deep nostalgia for it. And I'm like, I hate it. Why did you make me watch it? Uh, genuinely, I think I've, I've messaged Lucy saying like, why did you make me watch this movie? Um, it, it was not good. But like, it's fun for us to have episodes where we disagree with people as well, because me and Lindsay do agree with each other quite a lot of the time. It's like, this was great. This was great. This was shit. This was shit. So it's nice to have, that's part of the reason we like having guests as well as having like differing opinions and stuff. It's It's been good fun. That is our why are men episode. Why are men? Why do men do the things that they do? Drew, please tell us. Because we're we're small brained, we don't know what we're doing half the time. Uh, if the fact that women spend any amount of time on men is 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 a mystery to me. Um, you're all way better off without us, clearly. <laughs> Lizzie's just smiling on, from ear to ear. On on honestly, on behalf of all men, I can only apologise that you know we are the way that we are. Thank you very much. Thank you, um, Lindsay. What is on the schedule for next week? super excited about next week so next week we're going to be joined by zoe from girls magazine and we are going to be talking about her favorite type of horror which is extreme horror um something i might be speaking for you lucy but something that me and lucy aren't that familiar with so really looking forward to getting into it and find a bit more about it find out why zoe loves it so much and other people as well of course and uh to dip our feet into extreme horror we're going to be looking at the 2012 remake of maniac and antichrist two films i've not actually seen before so i'm buzzing i've never seen maniac and like i've been so excited to record with zoe because i mean she's really well respected an incredible you know person in the horror sphere especially in extreme horror i was terrified about what she was going to choose <laughs> because yeah. i don't know much about extreme horror so I've not seen maniac but i chose the other film which is antichrist which is pretty much one of the only extreme horror films i've seen and i'll tell you now after watching that i can never look at willem dafoe the same way again and you won't either so i'm sorry bestie oh, no. <laughs> drew where can people find you on the socials um, so if you want to come see me, uh, I'm, I'm Sir Drew Balls on, on Twitter and on Twitch. I, uh, as I said, I, we mentioned, uh, I do have a small business. Uh, it's Meeple Perk. Um, it's Board Games Cafe in Newcastle. So, you know, if you want to come tell me about how obviously Zombieland 2 is the best zombie movie ever and Shaun of the Dead is trash, um, I will quickly ban you from that place. And uh, yeah, like that's that's where you can find me most of the time. If I ever came to the front door and said Shaun of the Dead is trash, am I going to start getting banned or am I a special exception? Oh, you'd get... Instantly, there would be a picture of you uh, on, like, on the wall saying, do not let in, um, <laughs> has trash opinions, doesn't know what she's talking about. Facts. Um, you know, just a big picture that just says, don't, don't let in. On that note, Lindsay, where can people find you on the socials? I am at hi, it's Lindsay underscore on all social media. You can find the podcast at Girlfriend Pod on Twitter, Girlfriends underscore podcast on Instagram. And you're obviously listening, but you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, if you want to follow me, you can find me on all my socials at Lulu underscore Pew. Uh, as I mentioned last week, the Indiegogo campaign for book two of your Scream is now out. So please, if you can, support, donate, share it everywhere. 
we've got an incredible list of 30 plus writers including myself that are contributing to the book so it's going to be amazing bigger and better than ever since volume one so yeah please go support and have a great week folks and until next time stay spooky